You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit WorldAfropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. WorldAfropedia.com Race and our perceptions of it affects what happens in the workplace. NPR, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, and the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health conducted a poll, and most African Americans who participated said they had experienced discrimination at work, in hiring, in pay, and in getting promotions. NPR's Sonari Glinton looked into that, and he found that when faced with those obstacles, many people choose to get out and strike out on their own. It's an October heat wave in Los Angeles, and Dennis Jackson is making the best of it, selling solar panels. Jackson has essentially always been an entrepreneur. He started in landscaping and moved to solar panel installation. Both careers that I chose, landscape and solar, is not many black people in the industry. Um, there's some black guys that are landscapers, and... We look at each other as unicorns because there's not many of us. Jackson is 40. He moved to L.A. in his teens from Detroit. Now, there have only been a few brief times when he's had a boss. When I first started, I did have a boss, and I didn't like having a boss. It's harder this way. Jackson has a very small operation, five employees and some independent contractors. And in many ways, he says he's always had the entrepreneurial spirit. It's his way of avoiding the glass ceiling. You know, so a piece of me says, yeah, I'm not going to have to go through that because I'm going to write my own ticket. I'm going to write my own ticket to... To not have to, to face, you know, discrimination. NPR and Harvard have published a survey that says 56% of African Americans say they've been discriminated against in the workplace. Now, this is when they're being considered for promotion, applying for jobs, and raises. Mark Morial heads the National Urban League, and he says discrimination can deter African Americans from applying for certain jobs. I'm not going over there to apply for a job because I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to go over there and apply for a job because I heard they don't like blacks. I'm not going to go over there and apply for a job. Because after all, I've applied for five jobs in the last two months and I haven't gotten one of them. There's a lot of that that goes on in the real world 
particularly among younger workers. Now, the unemployment picture for black men has improved significantly since the Great Recession. But Mark Morial says what's hidden in these low jobless numbers is that many black men have simply fallen out of the workforce. Now, there's a whole menu of problems that lead to giving up. Race affects networking, education, mobility. First thing is the issue isn't really perception, it's reality. Stephen Pitts studies labor at UC Berkeley, and his expertise is employment in black men. Pitts says there's real evidence of discrimination against African-American men in the workplace. And in response, black men especially look for alternatives outside of the traditional job market. It could be simply the hustling, right, where I need somebody to fix my car and I call a friend of mine to fix my car, right, or someone's painting my house or, or those sort of things. So the informal economy is not so much just the idea of on-the-corner drug stuff. It's a vast array of economic activity that simply isn't governed by traditional labor laws. Pitt says many black men face real barriers, whether it's a criminal record or the need for a license to get a particular job. But there's been a shift overall, including for white workers. The idea of getting one job and working for 35 years is a thing of the past for almost everyone. For the last 30 years or so, we've seen a, a, a rise in informal economic activity, and we see a rise in kind of the shift in labor market activity away from an old model. To a newer model. Pitt says the hustle, which has been vital to the survival of black men for centuries, this is a shift the nation is going to have to embrace eventually. Sonarian Glenton, NPR News, Culver City. Black brother. Black brother to hell. And we are reporting on news from inside the NPR newsroom today. Our top editor, NPR senior vice president of news, Mike Oreskes, has resigned following accusations of sexual harassment. Three women have filed complaints, one a current NPR reporter, the other two alleging harassment from two decades ago when Oreskes was at the New York Times. Mike put out a statement this afternoon saying, quote, I am deeply sorry to the people I hurt. My behavior was wrong and inexcusable, and I accept full responsibility, end quote. NPR CEO Jarl Moon says he asked for Oreskes' resignation this morning, and Jarl joins me now in the studio. Hi there. Hi, Mary Louise. When did you first learn of an allegation of sexual harassment in connection with Mike Oreskes? Uh, well, the first situation was the one you just referred to was the, uh, I guess, in the fall of 15. The so just to be clear, nothing had come to your attention, no allegations at the point when you hired him in the spring None. of 2015? You did None. nothing? None. There have been a lot of questions about the timeline of when NPR knew what. So what I'd love to do is start there and just sure. tick through my understanding of events as they unfolded. And please jump in and stop me if this is something that sure. doesn't square with events as you understand them. So in 2015, NPR staffer Rebecca Hersher alleged that Oreskes made her deeply uncomfortable at a three-hour dinner, and that he asked personal and invasive questions. She complained, and Oreskes was reprimanded that same year, 2015. Correct? That's correct. A year later, October 2016, NPR learned about a woman complaining of harassment by Oreskes at the New York Times nearly two decades ago. This complaint involved physical contact. Uh, she says he kissed her. He forced his tongue into her mouth. Correct? Well, that's what we heard. Uh, and that would have been, I think, in, our, in the fall of 16. Fall yes. Fall of 16. And then last month, a second woman complained of Oreskes' behavior during his time at the New York Times, a similar complaint that he kissed yes. her without being – having been invited to do so. Correct. If that is the sequence, if you knew of these multiple allegations, did it cross your mind that leaving Mike in his job might put 
other women might put our colleagues at risk. Yes. Well, let's look at those those three examples that that you gave, Mary Louise. The first, which occurred in the fall of 15, that was an internal situation that happened here. It was a terrible situation. I condemn his actions. They were unacceptable. They're deplorable. We investigated. We did it immediately. We involved our HR department. We involved our general counsel. Uh, We sat with Mike. We confronted him about that situation and put him on notice that this this could not uh, occur. My understanding is, and again, it was reported here, David Falkenflick reported yesterday, that that employee felt that we satisfactorily addressed that issue. And there's a whole range. I mean, there's a whole range of what is unacceptable behavior. This but was that un- issue you knew about yes. when a year later a second allegation came in. You're referring to the New the York, York Times. Time, the, the, yes. From his tenure at the New York Times. Again, the important distinction here is, first, that did not happen at NPR. It was not an NPR employee. It was at the New York Times and it occurred 20 years ago. Had that happened at NPR, we would have had a very different reaction to it. It happened 20 years earlier. Um, One of the things we wanted to do as a result of that is make sure that that did not happen here. And I will tell you, up to this moment, sitting here and talking with you, Mary Mm -hmm. Louise, I'm not aware of anything that he's done or that happened that bears any resemblance to those issues that occurred 20 years ago while he was at the New York Times. Our media correspondent, David Fulkenflick, has talked to five more women since last night, on top of the three cases that we've already discussed. Five more women alleging inappropriate conduct mm-hmm. by Oreskes over a period of years. Has any other claim reached your office? I would say as a result of the published reports within the past 24 hours, we have heard of one other that has surfaced. Uh, I would say when the second New York Times story the, the from sec- – The second woman who yes, dealt with Oreskes in his time at the – We at the felt Times. very strongly that we needed to – There and there had been rumors uh, circulating around the building here about his behavior, rumors and gossip. We can't act on that. We have to act on facts. I put out a, an email. I put out a, a memo, a statement asking for anyone that is experienced or witnessed – any of this behavior to please come forward. We laid out a whole array of ways that they could contact us. There must have been seven or eight ways in. Over that two-week period of time, we got no complaints. No one stepped forward. Unfortunately, it took the published reports to have some things surface. But when you say it took published reports for this to surface, we're a news organization. Yeah. So there's a few hundred reporters out there. Why are we getting scooped by the Washington Post on this? <laughs> Why are we? Are you, you you're talking about the New York Times story? Would we? Uh, you I'm know, talking uh, about the Washington Post story, quoting to New York Times women. And I'll add to that: I learned that Mike Oreskes had resigned when I checked my phone in the line in the NPR canteen today. And the way I learned about it was via an AP news alert, Associated Press. Why did they know and we didn't? Well, because. That's not from us. We did not release it. We had a a clear timeline of how we were going to release this information while we were in our meeting planning how we were going to release that information. The AP got the story. I suspect Mike released his statement to the AP. It was not from us. You said you can't act on rumors and gossip, um, but were you concerned that these accusations were creating a toxic environment in the newsroom? 
Absolutely, of course. Uh, as bad as you know, should we, that not prompt action? Then, well, it did. Ultimately, we informally were asking questions. Clearly, we didn't do everything we could because it didn't result in the right answer. But to suggest we were not doing anything or we were not acting appropriately is is not, or that we were doing nothing is false. Let me push you again then on what did push you to act and put. Mike on leave as of last night and then asked for his resignation this morning. The Washington Post published his story. He was put on leave within a couple of hours. Was that because new information came to light, came yes. to you? Yes. But you can't elaborate on what that is? I cannot. Is. A new case? New, new case. Internal? Yes. Current employee? Uh, yes. May I ask the severity of the allegation? Uh, again, I hate. I, I know, but you've talked about a range. I understand, but I'm going to be lambasted for uh, any specificity here. And again, I want to get to the confidentiality of the complaint. I would say on this, on the, on the range of, you know, Harvey Weinstein being on one extreme, um, and um, the other internal issue that uh, the complaint that we that. You referred to earlier conversation that conversation. made a woman feel uncomfortable. Yes, mm. I would say it was clearly in that range, in the uncomfortable conversation yes. range. Yes, you're all moan. Our boss, NPR CEO, talking about the resignation today of our top editor, Mike Oreskes, following accusations of sexual harassment. You're all thank you. Thank you, Mary Louise. Context of white supremacy, gusty renegade. In for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Thursday, November 2nd, 2017. So I have been told this is our weekly broadcast workplace racism, uh, sharing suggestions, things, strategies, tactics we can use to neutralize racist man, racist woman on the job. If we have any non-white listeners who have figured out these are specific things that you can do on the job so that you can be unmolested by whites in every sense of the word, you can do your job, get all of your raises, promotions, great office if you need to transfer, days off, sick leave, whatever you need. You get it with no hassle. You do not get harassed. You don't get accused of not uh, speaking, not being a team player, being aloof, too quiet. You don't get any of those accusations. Seems like you're going to be able to remain in your position, if not moving up, getting a better position with a better salary, more zeros on your check. For as long as you intend to work, anyone who has figured out how to do that, you should be one of the first to dial in with suggestions because that is what we need. Constructive counter-racist tips uh, to help non-white people get to that glorious position if you should find yourself there. Certainly, uh, we always welcome folks if you have problems, uh, if you're having a situation on the job and you would like uh, counter-racist suggestions on maybe how you can proceed uh, to try to resolve that problem without creating any new problems, the number to dial 641-715-3640.
the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 6 if you would like to participate. Number again, 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 6 if you would like to participate. If you do not want to call in, if you have concerns, if you think, you know, you have a voice uh, that will stand out, uh, or if you're just not able to call in, you can drop an email until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com. And I will share your content uh, on the air. People already wrote in, so I have a list of uh, content to share already. Uh, But if you have either thoughts on what people have to say during the broadcast, or if you have your own situation, as I said, until justice at gmail.com. Quickly, the two segments that you heard at the beginning, the first segment from NPR that was talking about the new reports uh, about racism and the high number of black people talking about they experience quote unquote racial discrimination and their list, their chart that talked about the different ways that black people experience white supremacy, racism on the job was number one on the list, which should not be a surprise to anyone. For me, it just emphasized how we can have so much to say about scandal and quote unquote interracial relationships and a lot of other things that yes, are indeed related to racism, white supremacy. But if all of us are saying, man, for 40 hours in a week, these whiteies are sticking it to me. And I don't know what to do. If it is that much of a problem, there should be a lot more dialogue, resources uh, and constructive content, not just moaning and wailing. Woe is me. Uh, the You know, the crackers are sticking it to me. But, you know, really trying to think uh, in a strategic counter racist way. What are some of the, the typical things that are happening, ways that we are being terrorized? And then what are some of the things that we can do to try to stop, mitigate some of this as best we can. One, second thing from that, that same report, they talked about how a number of black people experience so much frustration in that environment that they end up just leaving. Uh, they could have picked a myriad of examples. Uh, the situation up in Connecticut, uh, Omar Thornton from 2010, where he said they were being racist towards him and he ended up uh, resorting to counterviolence, myriad of situations, even the shooting in Virginia not too long ago. I think that was about a year or so ago. It was a black male there as well. Uh, but I was reminded of the late grandsister, Dr. Frances Cress Welsing. She used to say that all the time with nearly a half century of clinical experience working with traumatized black patients, she said, i I know I have concluded tons of black people are not working. It's not because they're lazy. It's not because they're ignorant. It's not because they don't want to work. It's because of the system of white supremacy that they have been so terrorized that they have just, they can't take it anymore. Black mental health uh, has been totally obliterated. Just trying to go to work to take care of yourself and to do a good job. She had seen this uh, with her patients to say this all the time. Uh, even could have put a sound clip of there in there uh, of her saying that if I had invested the time to go back and find it before we went live. Uh, the second report that dealt with the sexual abuse again, 
We have had so many people over the years, males and females, call in and talk about being sexually harassed in a myriad of different ways over the years. I would make sure take advantage of this moment where there's so much attention on this and specific to the workplace, not just sexual harassment, but sexual harassment in the workplace. Uh, take advantage. And I mean anything. If it's somebody saying something Hugging, touching, take advantage. I would bring this up. Uh, and do we need a refresher course? You don't have to snitch on anybody. You don't have to report anyone. You don't have to call them out by name. Just do we need a report? And again, the suggestion about bringing this up in in a group setting, uh, meeting type thing where everyone can hear this and knows that this is something that you're concerned about and think that we should you know, be serious about making sure that no one is being harmed. Professional workplace. That's what we want. Also, with that segment, you got a sounds like an accused serial sexual predator in the workplace. All of these different females stepping forward to accuse this suspected white predator and he still got to resign. What does a white person have to do to be fired? Like I have seen black people be fired for far less. I have been fired for far less. I remember getting confused about the work schedule. They changed my schedule around and I was coming in at a different time. I missed my schedule and got fired. <laughs> that has happened. I was not accused of sexually assaulting anyone. I didn't have people stepping forward with years of testimony and documented cases of me harassing and, you know, doing all these really lewd and terrorist things. What does a white person have to do to be fired? Continuing. Uh, actually, I'm going to read some of the emails that folks uh, wrote in. I'm going to see if I can get uh, at least a couple in before I get to the callers, and then I'll read the rest as we proceed. Uh, this actually, from last week, one of our callers uh, in the great state of Wisconsin, black female, she wrote in, I just started a new job at a call center where there are mostly non-white black people. The few whites that work there that I have interacted with seem to be drawn to me. They appear to be helpful, but since, since I am practicing codification, I know better. Good job. I am suspicious of whites all the time. When talking to some other non-white black people at the workplace about an upcoming event at my home, a white female that I was in the training with asked if I would invite her to my home. Dun, dun, dun. I asked her, why would I do that? Staying in the question lane. She looked surprised and asked, you really would not invite me to your house? I asked her, if you saw me outside of this job, would you even look my way or speak to me? That would be two for two responding with a question. White woman admitted, no, she wouldn't. But then told me she had. A <laughs> wait for it. Wait for it. Woo. She told me she had a black best friend. One of the black people I was talking to before asked whether or not I liked white people. There it goes again. I asked, did you hear her say 
that, wait a minute, did you hear me say that I don't like white people? Three for three, question, question, question. Uh, They responded no and began to talk about how the white female was cool. I replied, she just admitted that outside of work, she would not look my way or speak to me. I feel the exact same way. So what is the difference? A few weeks later, the white female says that she is not going to be working there much longer. She said to me, I know you're not going to invite me to your house, even though I'm leaving. I asked her again, why would I do that? She rolled her eyes. I was done. Bravo, bravo, bravo. You, in my view, made the state of Wisconsin proud. Uh, That is outstanding counter-racist work in my opinion one thing i advocate all the time question question and it can be difficult sometimes especially if you're not in the habit right of responding with a question particularly uh, sometimes it can be a little awkward questioning white people some of us you know through years of terrorism uh, we have been forbidden sometimes from questioning white people and especially in a workplace setting but hey we should be able to ask a question so I always, always, always recommend, encourage, uh, if you're on a job, being able to put things in the form of a question. That was huge, 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 huge uh, technique from Mr. Fuller uh, in saying, hey, this is something he had seen over years in terms of making a lot of statements and getting in trouble on the job. Making fewer statements, asking more questions uh, can be a little bit more difficult to get in trouble when you ask questions than all of this, everything that happened in this whole uh, scenario, uh, talking to another black person and the white person is ear hustling on your conversation. Stand it. We talk about that all the time. You really have to you just have to assume whites while you're on the job, whether it's electronic surveillance, whether it's them just standing in the area so that they can hear any little morsel of information about what you're doing and your personal life, anything that they can file away, figure out how they're going to use that against you when they will use that little bit of information. So you just have to be mindful of that, really on guard about what you're talking about. Even if you're you know, talking to another black person, this is your friend or what have you, even then just be alert. White people are going to be listening. And again, my suggestion, anything that you really do not want white people to know about on your job, I wouldn't bring it up at all. I wouldn't be talking about it on the phone uh, with other coworkers because they will just exactly what happened here. They will be listening in, sneaking around the corner to uh, spy on you. I thought it was great when she tried to make the white woman racist, tried to make it all personal. And, you know, you don't like me. And why don't you invite me to your residence and all of that? Asking questions, asking questions, asking questions. And then when the other victims when they came to the defense of the white woman, that's something that you should not be surprised about. I would even say you should kind of expect that because I've seen that. I've experienced that in other situations where other victims of racism, if it seems like you are not embracing a white person, uh, like, whoa, you don't like white people? Are you racist? What's I have seen a lot of that. Other folks have experienced that who've dialed in. You do not want to take it out or, or get make it so it becomes conflict between you, uh, particularly in the workplace. Uh, you want to try and minimize conflict to the best that you can with everyone. Great job there as well. Just 
asking questions. She just said she wouldn't even acknowledge my presence if she were to, you know, see me outside of the workplace. Did you hear her admit that just, you know, seconds ago? Just asking that. And again, did you hear me? That's one I cannot emphasize enough. Take that extremely seriously. Anytime in a work environment, someone, you know, asks or accuses or even jokes around with something like you don't like white people, halt. Did you ever hear me say that? Okay, that's a real serious accusation. I would like that retracted. Uh, We want to be accurate. Let's not, you know, just be throwing around false accusations and what have you. I have never said such a thing. (laughs) I don't even know where you got that from. Uh, It sounds libelous to me, in fact. Real, real serious. You know, you can figure out whatever, whatever you want to say. But I mean, immediately, that's not something to joke about. That's not something to minimize, particularly in this, you know, climate, as they say. Moving forward, see if I can get in one other uh, report and then I'll get to callers. I'm uh, blackmail. Uh, I'm serving the country currently as a federal officer uh, that was given the opportunity to volunteer with FEMA for a short uh, deployment post. First response, Hurricane Irma. Uh, I was in the field as a register for approximately seven weeks at which We assessed homes and individuals for grant or loan relief assistance. Uh, Before we could begin our assignment, each volunteer was to be trained for the assignment for approximately five to seven days. During the training, volunteers are in waves from 200 to 400 people at a time. Actually, I'm going to save this one for later so that y'all can read it because it's a little longer. So I'll get in some of the callers and then I'll read this one since it's a little longer. Hold that thought on that one. Pause. We'll come back and get the rest of this one later in the program. Uh, If folks have commentary that they would like to share, number again, 641-715-3640 and the code 564-943-POUND. Press star six if you would like to participate. We have folks who have uh, commentary on how the situation in Wisconsin was handled when the white woman hopped in after uh, being nosy. You know what? You, you, why don't you invite me to your house? I'd like you to, you know, be invited to your get together, whatever it is, uh, in terms of how that situation was dealt with. And again, being accused of not liking white people on the job. If folks have any suggestion uh, for that sort of thing, if where other black people, you know, are accusing you of this, if you have suggestions around that, that would be good. And other question I have. Uh, sometimes, or I'll phrase it this way. I think it would be extremely constructive each time we take a job to just be very clear and upfront, maybe even writing a sentence or two, just in terms of why are we taking the job? Are we taking this job just to make money to take care of our family, meet our needs, what have you? Is this a job for career advancement? Uh, Is this a field, you know, you're trying to make this a lifelong profession. So you're trying to gain expertise, uh, in to that end, why are you doing this? What is this for? What is the primary reason that you're doing this? Is this a job that you intend to have or how long do you intend to have this job? Is this a job that you're taking uh, just, you know, for the next month until you can get something better? You got another offer that you're waiting for? Is this a job that you hope to have for the next 25 years uh, moving up in the company? Is this a job you just hope to have for uh, a year or two uh, until something else? Being very clear about what your objectives are uh, when you take that job. 
And the question attached to all of that, at what point do you say, hey, I need to be looking for a new plantation? Uh, not necessarily, or I guess it could be racism, right, if you're being mistreated. But as I stated before, racism, white supremacy is going to be present on any job, even if you are, quote unquote, self-employed, it's going to be present. So that in and of itself may or may not be a reason to relocate. But what would be reasons? What are some of the signs that, OK, maybe I need to be looking for a different plantation, new job? Uh, what should that process look like? What are some of the signs that you you should be saying to yourself? Hey, maybe I have I have been here long enough and I should be moving on because I think uh, I'm bringing this up just because I think under the system of white supremacy, often victims of racism, uh, we end up being in jobs that we did not intend to be on very long. And we end up being there for a long time, much longer than we intended. And, and even in a job that we acknowledge is not, you know, healthy, not what we want at all. Uh, just thinking about that and, and trying to, I think that that can be a problem for us sometimes and just staying there, staying in these environments way, way longer than we should. I'll put that out as well. Folks have comments, questions, folks who have a hand up, line should be open. Proceed. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Greetings, everyone. Uh, before I uh, forget the details, uh, I don't know if you may have played it or not, uh, about the uh, 11 city of Miami uh, firefighters slash employees who were first suspended. And I think I saw it on uh, last night's news that uh, six of the 11 were fired. Uh, at the time, uh, I was just reading it because I had the sound down, uh, down at my uh, attempted mother's uh, residence. And uh, I said to myself, to, I said it well, not to myself, but also to my, uh, my uh, sister, uh, that, uh, I bet I bet that was racial, uh, and the reason why I speculated it was had some sort of racial circumstance is because so many people at one time was uh, in some sort of employment trouble, and normally on that job, although that's not the same fire department I was on, uh, that uh, that's the case. And I found out, I found out that today that was the case uh, involving uh, uh, the, the, of course, the victim was a black male. He was a officer, a uh, lieutenant to be exact. And uh, ironically speaking, uh, out of the six, they showed their photos. They showed their photos and one of them looked like a non-white black male. Uh, one of the uh, quote unquote fired uh, fired employees uh, looked like a black male, and I can also see that also. 
see that happening uh, by a black person being involved on the side of of uh, mistreatment. Uh, did did you did you hear anything about it or did you play it? Because some of a little bit of it went national. I don't know uh, for sure if uh, uh, you was able to play it. Nope, I didn't play it. Uh, it looks like all of this is pretty recent. The within the last twenty four hours or so that this became a big uh, national uh, headline. So first that I'm okay. hearing of it okay. at all, I'm posting the uh, report on my Facebook page now. The Washington Post did a last a big uh, report on it within the last twenty four hours. They did a big. Uh, report with more of the details uh, about the incident. It's titled uh, Six Miami Firefighters Hung Noose Drew Phallic Renderings on Black Colleagues Photos. Uh, if you want to get right. all of the, I guess, sorted details from the report, uh, I won't read the whole thing. It says uh, the firings are significant in that they play into a larger history of racist behavior in the department stretching back decades. The Herald reported Wednesday that the six firefighters I won't read all the names uh, together defaced the family photos belonging to a black lieutenant taking the pictures of his wife, children and his mother out of their frames and drawing graphic and obscene phallic renderings on these images before returning them to their frames. One of the firefighters also created a noose from twine and placed it over the frames. The paper reported. Uh, I guess that would be the delectable Negro. Uh, you could put the cowbell uh, in for that one as well. Uh, I would also say uh, some moron, I think, for a few years has been saying no personal items in the work area, no pictures, no photo albums, no bowls of chocolate. Uh, some idiot has exactly. been saying that for a while and saying that that is just going to be an invitation for racists to come and malinger at your desk and find something to molest or take uh, or contaminate, or in this instance, take out all the pictures and draw penises and put a noose. So, again, if you needed a reminder, maybe consider no trinkets, only having items that are necessary for you to carry out your work duties. Uh, but yes, this was the first I've heard of it. Great, uh, yes. great report. All of those lessons, all of those lessons, Gus, are, are, are in that in that story. I, I would, I would say, I mean. As far as with somebody like me, and, and as long as I've been uh, uh, known on this particular uh, program, uh, it should be, you know, business as usual. That That is one of the prime type of jobs where you're going to have that type of behavior on a consistent basis. Why? Because the unique thing about it is that it's one of those jobs where you're, you're not spending just five hours, I mean, eight hours. You're spending 24 hours with people and i'm talking about it actually it's certainly is a terror when you spend a 24 hours with white people you get a chance to see a lot of the habits that you probably wouldn't see on a nine to five quote-unquote type of job and you can see their behavior you can even see some of their personal uh behavior that they normally would do because they do they, they would do a lot of the same same things uh you know in that light uh also, along with that, one thing that was very interesting was the reaction of the victim. Normally, a lot of times, as we know, uh, non-white black people would have this forgiveness type of uh, thought pattern uh, in their in their in the in the report. Uh, basically, not only did he did not have that, 
he also mentioned about the extensive, which probably brings up a question of why he, why didn't he prevent, you know, himself from being harmed, like you mentioned with the stuff on his, on his, it may have been in his bunk, I don't know for sure, because that's some, some of the places where you have those items. It may have been at a, a particular desk at the station, which I, it's kind of hard for me to figure that out because at a fire station, shifts change. And so it's, it's the only place I can think where a person would have personal items would have to be in their private space bunk area. And, and even that's not yours uh, because, you know, in 24 hours, somebody else would be sleeping in that same bed. You know, as far as they're concerned, that, that's how it is at, in fire stations. But nevertheless, he mentioned about how extensive racism is at that particular station as well as with the fire department, period. You know, so I kind of like, you know, like the idea that he was able, he expressed that, uh, you know, as far as they're concerned, mostly for the, for the sake of non-white people listening to the, uh, his, uh, his uh, uh, report and that's all I have to say right now. And I'll be, uh, you know, just listening in. And if I can say something that may be uh, helpful to someone from my experiences, I will. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, retired firefighter. Uh, I did post the, that the Washington posts article on this report and they have links in it to the Miami Herald reports. You can, get more of the details but this is the sort of thing that i would store and just regular i was even thinking while reading this report and listening to retired firefighters further explanation about this you could probably check noose on a regular basis i've been saying i check the word uh n-word nigger just doing a news search to see you know what pops up because you get lots of workplace uh, racism there and uh, whites doing what they do you could probably put in noose and get the same sort of results i might you know begin doing that from now on just to see how much information pops up but yeah if you're any sort of work situation where you're sharing sleeping quarters with whites that probably would warrant a whole different uh, chapter or book of counter racism code in terms of what you would need to do to uh, protect yourself as best you can and what sort of items that you you have on you and what have you but again just being uh, alert aware of the environment that we are in and uh, I too appreciate retired firefighters saying uh, the victim not having I guess a lot of you know forgiveness and it's all just you know jokes all just giggles not nothing nothing that serious we just need a little sensitivity training I appreciate that as well uh, if we have other folks who have uh, comments if you have your certainly if you have problems your own situation feel free uh, folks have any uh, comments on the situation from our listener in Wisconsin how she dealt with the white woman uh, asking for the invite to her residence or event uh, or if you have uh, comments on how we know when hey, I think it's time that we start looking for a better plantation, different and better job situation. Uh, if we have folks who have commentary, feel free. Uh, greetings, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, greetings to you, Gus, to all the callers and listeners, to the firefighter in Florida. Um, just great information and great assessment. I have to comment on the um, the person who wrote in and how she dealt with her um, her terroristic uh, colleague. I thought it was brilliant. It was just a brilliant display of counter-racist logic and execution. Um, I think it's a great example for people to listen to 
um, more than once just so that they might be able to get a handle on how, because when you're dealing with white people in any conversation, there's a rhythm to the conversation. It's almost like a verbal dance. And that's how I took what you were reading. She was able to just execute flawlessly how to ask proper questions at the right moment and how to use those questions to reverse uh, racist attempts and then sadly the attempt of a confused victim of white supremacy in trying to make her um, look a certain way just based on how her counter-racist logic was, was, was working. Um, I thought it was just brilliant. I have uh, no uh, uh, negative assessments whatsoever. Um, just made my week, actually. And um, one thing I wanted to tie into after the firefighter in Florida, because I found the story on BTR community, and I think it is just uh, flabbergasting, <laughs> not because it's shocking to me, but it's just in a sense that um, any black people who especially are in college and have a white college roommate, this ties into just what the firefighter in Florida talked about, and it gets even deeper. So I'm just going to brief, brief, briefly read sections out of it. It's not too long. Former university, this is from uh, Hart, the Hartford Courant, uh, www.corant.com. Former University of Hartford student faces hate crime charge in case involving former roommate. So she said, um, Brochu, 18, was arrested on Saturday after admitting to police that she licked her roommate's dining utensils and smeared bodily fluid on the woman's backpack. Um, then it says that the university president in the statement said that Brochu's conduct was reprehensible and that she is, quote, no longer a student at the University of Hartford. She will not be returning to this institution, unquote. And then this, they, they quoted her from um, her Instagram, and what she said was very, very telling. Um, here it is. Her Instagram was captioned, finally, I did it. Your girl got rid of her roommate after one and a half months of spitting in her coconut oil, putting moldy clam dip in her lotions, putting her toothbrush in places where the sun doesn't shine, and so much more. I can finally say goodbye to Jamaican Barbie, un unquote. Uh, Brochu then told the police she began to lash out due to a quote-unquote hostile environment caused by the victim's rude behavior. This is what she's claiming. Not compromising and posting uh, Snapchat videos of me sleeping and making fun of me snoring, unquote. She told police she requested a room change on October 11th, but was unsuccessful. She did admit she licked her former roommate's plate, fork, and spoon, smeared her own bodily fluid on the victim's backpack, but denied the other accusations she posted on Instagram. She told the police that, quote, anything else she bragged about on social media was a lie in an attempt to appear funny, unquote. I think that is more than enough to help people in college, going to college, you might be um, away at, at school, high school, and have these white roommates. These are the types of things you can expect from them. Do not get it, get it confused a little bit that because they might, quote, unquote, be nice to you, they might smile towards you. You might have um, not, not had enough money to get breakfast at the cafeteria, and they went and, and maybe paid for it. Whatever they do for you to make you think that they are human beings, they are not. Don't let them fool you, because just with this, white terroristic troll was doing, all of them do it in one form or another. Thank you. I'll meet my line. Appreciate that, Roz. Uh, that report about the situation up uh, in Connecticut, I did see uh, that one went pretty viral. I had to stop people from posting uh, about that event on my page because they were just posting the same link over and over again uh, in, in their outrage and 
the horror of of the whole event. But certainly I said for years, the classroom for students, even before you get to the college level, that that is uh, work for uh, students uh, and just another reminder of, you know, the importance of being codified, understanding what it means to be white, uh, in my opinion, uh, and just, man, the levels of treachery uh, throughout that whole situation. And even one of the things that stood out in there, the bragging uh, about all of it, that's something we used to talk about on the broadcast uh, quite a little bit. But we'll certainly have more to say about that this weekend. That was one I, I was very, very sure uh, lots of folks were in the know and, and duly outraged uh, about what took place with that situation as well. Uh, the folks who other folks who dialed in with a hand up, if we've not heard from you at all, if you have commentary on workplace racism, line should be open. Proceed. May I be heard? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, greetings, fellas. Uh, I had called in last month about uh, having uh, white people as they smile on the job mm-hmm. and. I, I listened to the playback of the call, and I uh, just want to say some advice I took was uh, using the line that I don't like to smile too much. People might think I'm making too much money or something like that, you know, just to kind of throw it off real quick. Uh, but Gus, you had posted a a link uh, to a show you guys did about white women on the job since that's what that's the type of people that normally would tell me, hey, smile. And I thought it was interesting listening to the Wisconsin caller's email about the white woman questioning her and the advice from that show you posted because one of the big things was is not being caught alone with white women. And it made me think of my very first job in high school. I had, uh, I was working at a movie theater and I was pretty much like an usher, so I was paired up with this white woman, white, not a, a woman, this white girl, you know, she's real unattractive, and we had to clean the theaters. So she was uh, assigned to do, like, the mop bucket, so we went into the utility room, and she went into the corner to fill up the mop bucket, and this is my mistake. You know, as a teenager, I was horse playing, you know, with her, so while she was filling the bucket up, I turned the light off. You know, I'm at the door, so I'm nowhere near her. So I, like, flicked the light off, flicked it on real quick. She started laughing, and I think I did it one more time. She laughed, joked, and, you know, we left. We did our job, went home, and the whole time we're doing our job, no issue. You know, we're getting along. Then I would say a couple of days later or the next week, my supervisor pulled me to the side and said, hey, <laughs> you have a complaint. You know, she said, like, I did something to her. She's really upset, and I'm going to need you to, you know, sign this write-up. So, you know, I'm like a teenager at the time. I, I signed the write-up, and that was it. But it was funny, the supervisor, he's white. We actually all had mutual friends where... Me and another high school buddy and his brother, we all used to hang out together. So I, like, knew him outside of work. And it was kind of like, yeah, you know, that what happens messed up. And it turned out, like, the girl, she had a crush on the guy. But <laughs> just being alone with a white woman and them accusing you led to me being written up. You know, she's laughing and joking with me, but 
you know, she used it as, uh, I guess, you know, ammunition to get me written up. And that I have another story. My second job, you know, when I was real young, I worked in a call center. And remember I uh, had a a friend, male friend on my left, and I think this is a white girl on my right. And I didn't really, I don't think, pay too much attention. Me and the guy would just talk all the time. And it turned out, you know, (laughs) I can't even recall ever doing anything to this woman. She, uh... She made a complaint about me too that you know I did something or said something to her, so I got it written up for that. Now the interesting thing about that one is that write up prevented me from getting a increased rate a wage. So they were giving out raises at the time, and the supervisor he uh, cited the write up you know that I got as a reason why. I couldn't get a better raise, even though I was doing so good on the job. So I just wanted to, I guess, put a testimony on how important it is not to be caught alone, especially as a male with white people on the job. <laughs> and, I mean, that's that's about it. I, had, I did have something else I wanted to add, too. Uh, I was... Uh, I was pretty much on vacation all last month, and when I came back to my job, I'm, I'm the one that works in the women's shoe department. I had a black male, you know, he was just itching to tell me this situation that happened on the job. Uh, I guess it was a black guy and a white woman shopping, a tragic arrangement, and she had asked for some shoes. She picked the white silk, so she so he bought it. He bought her the shoes, and gave it to the boyfriend, the black boyfriend, you know, so he was doing the work, you know, he opened the box, and at this point, she said, you know, can you help me out? So the guy, he got on his knees, you know, like, <laughs> to put the shoes on the woman, and at that point, two black females had walked into this area while he was doing that, and they started laughing at him. So I, you know, and the guy was saying, you know, they were like pretty much laughing at him and saying, "Hey, what is look at look at what he's doing?" So the guy got so uncomfortable that <laughs> he positioned his body while he was on his knees, put his back toward the black females who were, you know, calling out the stretch arrangement. And that's all I got for the week. I have no idea what that has to do with workplace racism, unless I missed the story. <laughs> um... People do find ways of weaving in uh, the cowbell all the time. Find ways of weaving it in when it is not really related to workplace racism. Uh, That is grand uh, to hear about the, I guess, the implementation. Or I guess we'll have to see. I guess I'll retract that it's grand. We'll have to see uh, if if you implement using some of the lines. I think it was suggested if people are accusing you of not smiling, uh, of using uh, a joke, uh, kind of a quick one-liner. You know, I don't smile. Catch me on payday. I'll smile a lot, that sort of thing, to give them a quick joke uh, to try to diffuse it. If that's the route that you go, let us know if that uh, works out. And thanks to Stacy in the UK. She should be with us today. Uh, I think that was her suggestion to revisit that broadcast that we did uh, a few years back. when We were talking about white women specifically and how they practice racism on the jobs. And uh, that was, I think, one of the the 
topics that came up in that broadcast, uh, white women making that accusation that black uh, black people don't smile enough or a black male specifically doesn't uh, smile enough in the workplace. Certainly, that is uh, something that we've talked about a lot over the years, having that code, making sure you do not get trapped, stuck with, uh, alone with a white woman. And I think we've also suggested the same black females not being alone with white males uh, for the same reason uh, and just being really mindful about that. And particularly with the climate now, you should be able to say, hey, and even if it's a male, just, hey, I would I would feel more comfortable, uh, you know, just to make sure we don't have any, any allegations or anything. That way, you know, there's multiple witnesses. Everybody's there. We can all be comfortable and go, you know, do what we need to do because uh, they and they even have that as a policy already in some workplaces, particularly if children are involved, they already have a sort of policy in place where it can never be like one male with two, uh, one male, one female. If it's a younger uh, female, it has to be multiple witnesses, that sort of thing to kind of minimize the likelihood of something happening. But yeah, keep that in mind. Uh, if other folks dialed in, if they have suggestions and that I definitely appreciate as well, reviewing your workplace history, because there are certainly things knowing what we know now we would not do. Uh, I would hope folks listening to this call, knowing what we know now, there would not be any horseplay with white colleagues ever, ever, ever (laughs) like reflecting. That's that's something that I've said consistently. I think all of us, if you just look back on on your work history, all of us will just see things like, oh, man, I can't believe that I did that. And even in this instance, you can see like, oh, man, doing that. And man, that messed me up at the time. I could have got a better raise or, you know, anything. Uh, as opposed to having to deal with all that stress and, and them telling me I'm messing up on the job where she was just totally practicing racism uh, and just lying and making up stuff. Just keeping that in mind, even for those of us who are older, you said that happened when you were younger, even those of us who are older, who can be playful in the workplace. You do not want to be engaging and playing around, horsing around with white coworkers, even when they're just doing verbal stuff uh, that a lot of those times they can get you in playing, doing some sort of joke and we're just messing around. And then it will get racial. It will wait, but we, you know, I thought we were just messing around. We've been telling jokes and everything. We come in, we have a good time. We get our work together. This is not recess. This is not the bar. We are at work. Let's carry ourselves in a professional manner. I just say that as a form of counter racist code, being serious, being professional, that will, I think, minimize the likelihood of whites engaging in that sort of uh, behavior, hopefully. Other folks that we haven't heard from, if you have commentary on what you've heard from listeners so far, or if you have your own situation you want to discuss, feel free. May I be heard? Red in Ohio. Hello, and thank you for taking my call. Hello, everyone. Um, mine is going to be really quick because I still don't have like a, I guess what you would call like a traditional job through, I'm assuming white people would, you know, manage the company, what have you. Um, just referring back to, I think it was the retired firefighter, um, some of his commentary is about um, just like when to leave a job, or maybe it was a commentary after that. Um, The reason why I left my job was because I felt like it was really um, damaging my health. I was constantly anxious, and there was nothing that I could do to, to stop the anxiety. Like when I would wake up, I have like a really rapid heartbeat, you know, shortness of breath, just like the, the, the telltale symptoms of anxiety. And, and that's when I decided. And then also with the fact of, you know, just the, um, the racism on the job, like the subtle racism, um, like, you know, just from the, 
the stories that I had shared in the past where, you know, I knew what I was doing and there would be uh, white women specifically um, who would be on the job or doing what I was doing for a lot less, um, like for um, who would have just new to that particular task and what they had to say was more important than all the the experience that I had. Um, So uh, that was, you know, just different things like that. And, you know, constantly having to work under um, supervisors who were ignorant um, and it could have been willful or, you know, it actually was, you know, you can, if you're, if you're being trained and you still don't know how to effectively manage or, or help, or even, I guess, maybe under their terms, maybe managing just meant that, you know, the Negroes stayed in, in their place and stayed in, in line. So not to, um, you know, try to change too many things that, uh, that the upper management didn't like. So that's the main reason why I left. Um, and then the other thing, I, I had three things that I think I forgot, um, but um, what I'm starting to, what I decided to do, I'm actually going to um, conduct a, an experiment since I am applying for jobs. Um, I have my first name. It's not a, a English or a, a, a white sounding name. I know that that might be, I know that metaphors don't really matter on this show, but it's not like a, like a, a Samantha or something like that. So um, what I'm going to do is when I apply um, and when I continue to apply is to use on some jobs my real name and then like have some people they'll have like their their first name as just the first initial and then they might use their middle name because my middle name sounds a little bit more white. And so I'm going to try to do that and then I'll keep everyone updated on if I feel like that might actually um help me to get a, a job quicker because I have read reports in, in the past where, you know, they said, well, if applicants, if you have like a, if you live in a certain area or if you have a, uh, a non-white name, then that could actually hinder your um, callback ability. And I've also moved as well. So, um, all right. Well, thank you for allowing me to share. Outstanding. Conducting counter-racist experiments. Love to hear that. Let us know. Yolanda Spivey, she was a guest on the program, Black Female. She did that experiment and she she got zero, like no results. <laughs> she sent out her resume with her quote unquote black sounding name and info. And then she did the same info, uh, same uh, resume with all the same credentials and everything, just with her white sounding name. And she was avalanched with responses. She was a guest on the program a few years back and talked about her, her own experiment in that vein, but let us know how it goes. And uh, certainly that right there, Dr. Welsing talked about that. I think that's what they were getting that getting at in that NPR uh, report having black people in these jobs where you are working under white people who do not have the same credentials, uh, who do are not competent, uh, seems that they daily bask in showing, demonstrating their incompetence, which is causing you more problems. And, and in many instances, that's what ends up happening. Black people have to pick up the slack, as they say, and have to do more work and they're not being compensated for it. That alone uh, can be enough to, at minimum, to drive down your motivation for wanting to do a good job since you're not getting compensated, treated, you know, in a manner that's equal to what you could do. You could be a competent person that could have that position that this, you know, in your case, that this white woman uh, is in. But nah, that's not, you know, what this is about. We don't want to go that direction. Uh, 
other folks, uh, if you dialed in, appreciate that, Red. Other folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, if you have your own situation that you want to discuss, 641-715-3640 and the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. If you have comments on what we've heard from listeners thus far, uh, feel free to share in that regard as well. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, I guess this is uh, Northeast Victim, and reading to everyone. Great. Uh, just to give you a quick update, I uh, guess I was the one that sent you the, the email uh, of the email that went to the school or from the supposedly hacked by um, supposedly a student that hacked someone else's, uh, another teacher's email account and sent an email racist email out to a black teacher mentioning another black teacher and then it also was copied to all other uh, faculty and students. And so that email was very, very racist in, in content. And uh, just as an update, um, so I've been emailing back and forth with the principal to try to get some resolve or try to get something going and conversations or some type of update uh, to the to the parents, and uh, as a result, so far, uh, the principal has organized a community forum that's going to take place uh, on next week. Uh, unfortunately, I was I'm not going to be able to make it, but I did ask in the email too. I said, well, you know, I'm not going to be able to make it, but can is there going to be minutes or something going to be taken? Uh, and she responded saying, yep, minutes are going to be taken. It's going to be distributed to the faculty and parents as well. And saying, she also said that she really wanted me to be a part of that uh, forum, as well as um, there's going to be more committee forum type meetings. That this is the, the beginning of many. So, you know, I know that sometimes it may be kind of uh, challenging, or you know, maybe a little unbelieving to some of how things can be changed in school system. Was predominantly white government type school. But any small victory is a victory. I'll take any small victory and keep trying to get more. Uh, so that's one little small victory as far as uh, an organizing of some type of community forum where discussion can be made, and, uh, and we'll see what, what happens from there going forward. Um, I believe it was last week that you also had a uh, young female that wrote in that was facing some issues in school of a teacher harassing or I forget exactly all the details there. Uh, but one of the things that I found to be helpful is for me, I use a prepaid service for uh, a law service. Um, and if they want more, want more information, they can contact you or you can reach out to me. But whenever there's issues that I have with school, with, uh, with my kids at school, just like with this email, I call this the lawyer. I want to find out exactly what the law uh, allows or what the law states, what that could do, what can't be done, um, even with home uh, home issues or uh, work-related issues. I called about a work-related issue one time as well. So, again, I'm always calling whenever some issues arise because I want to know exactly what the law says and what I can do, what I can't do, what's allowed. And so, you know, for that young lady, it's it's helpful if she's got – you know, a lawyer that can write a letter or something on her behalf, um, because that's something that I definitely 
recommend and have, have taken advantage of that. Another scenario where I use the lawyers to talk to to find out information, a uh, whole other scenario with my son at a predominantly white school, and um, it was a scenario where one of the cafeteria workers was making gestures, sexual gestures to the black ball players, all the sports ball players. So there's a little bit of the delectable Negro going on there um, where, you know, one of the players even had mentioned to me saying that, yes, he always makes these gestures or says things, um, says things in a flirtatious way to all the black male basketball players. But there's a white male in line in the cafeteria where he wouldn't say anything to them at all, totally just kind of ignoring them. But if it's a black male, oh, he cheers right up and he's trying to touch him, squeezing their arms and all those things. So that's one of the things I had to call the lawyer about. I wanted to find out what could I do, what can be done. They wrote a letter on my behalf and an investigation was launched. And there's a lot of other things that had transpired. But uh, long story short, he's no longer at that school. But something else related to that school where, uh, again, when, when your child is going to predominantly white school, just... Ears up, eyes open, be alert, because there's all kinds of racist type things that happen. As you might have heard, that uh, something that was just just happened on yesterday came on the news. I don't know if you talked about that or not, about the racist girl um, doing things with the uh, black roommate's toothbrush and all the other kinds of stuff there. But anyway, um, another quick scenario, and, and then I'll meet my line there, where the sports is involved in sports. He's also involved with the security team or with security there at the school. Um, he literally has keys to all the dormitories and where his, his home on campus there is positioned where he can have a good view of the dormitories of the ball players and the athletes and all. So while we were there on one of the visits there, he literally had said to us that, Oh yeah, I just you know kind of walk in any time uh, to the to the kids' dorm rooms and uh, just knock one time and I'll just open the door and just to make sure that nothing nothing strange is going on there and you know again eyes open, ears open, and I'm saying what excuse me you do what um, I'm sorry, but we're not comfortable with that with my with my son. Um, so long story short, my son never uh, he says that never happened with with him but he definitely did it with some of the other kids where they might have been sleeping or so. He just opens the door and walks right in, looks at them, checking on them, or uh, with the dormitory where there's like an open bay area, but there's a bathroom there as well. He can just walk in anytime he wants to, uh, again, and also viewing the, the dorm, dorm building from his, his home or, 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 yeah, from his home there where he would tweet to the kids or, uh, or send them a message on Facebook or something, letting them know, hey, I saw that you had a visitor late last night. So he's like constantly watching them, uh, constantly, you know, viewing what's going on with their activity, dorm activities, as well as uh, being able to just walk in freely, whether they're in their rooms, whether they're in bathrooms or whatever it may be. So again, uh, one of those electrical Negro type scenarios where they've got control, they've got their eyes on them, they're watching them. Um, if your kid is in a, an environment where it's predominantly white uh, school, then I, I would suggest, for one, trying to, not to have your kid in a school like that, but if possible, if they, if they do attend a school like that, then I would say if things happen, then 
find out where you can connect with a lawyer and get information as far as what rights you have, um, where the lawyers can do something on your behalf as far as writing letters or anything to make sure that your child is kept safe. Uh, that's pretty much it. That's it for now. Make sure for listeners appreciate the update uh, with your situation with the letter, the racist letter uh, that happened at the school and the forum. Uh, I was reminded of spinning in butter, a spinning into butter. Uh, It's a movie that's been referenced on this program before. It came out in the like early mid two thousands about an incident of racism at a college campus, and uh, the sound clip I use on the compensatory call in. Uh, there's a white faculty member at the school, and after the racist incident, she says, we're going to have a race forum. And she gets asked, what is that? And she says, it's a forum on race. White people are great uh, with, we will have a forum. And it does not invariably address the problem. But let us know if you are able to participate, ask good questions, and you know, make it more constructive. Uh, one thing that I have heard Mr. Fuller uh, say that a lot of, you know, the reason that he wrote his book and what he hopes uh, in terms of why he offers counter-racist suggestions is that for a lot of situations, especially workplace situations, he's seen where, and I'm not discouraging it, I'm just saying that I, I do know that Mr. Fuller said a lot that a lot of times when you go to speak to attorneys, they will end up taking your money and not giving much assistance either in a lot of these situations. So he does try to uh, give out suggestions, uh, strategies that you can implement yourself uh, without having to go and uh, pay an attorney uh, a lot of money to help or not. Uh, but certainly in some instances, that would be the best way uh, to proceed. Uh, other instances, you frequently, in fact, I won't say other instances, frequently you can do a lot on your own uh, in a lot of these situations. If you can just get, depends on how much information you can get, studying and figuring out what to say, what not to say, what questions to ask. A lot of times you can do a lot of things. And with that school situation, again, I would use Harvey Weinstein, until they stop talking about all of this, I would use it in this climate. Anything that sounds like uh, an adult or anyone is maybe being inappropriate. Are we really comfortable with someone having a key and just barging into a room anytime uh, or an area, what have you, uh, to check on someone? Now, that in the school context, I I could see people having a lot of different feelings on that, particularly given the situation that happened in Virginia. I think within the last month or so, that situation where they had the children in the locker room who were pretending to rape uh, little white racist children, pretending to rape black students uh, and all of the other filth that was happening there. So, I mean, you're going to have a lot of folks saying, hey, we need as many people in the locker room as possible. Uh, In fact, I don't even want them to stand outside. I want them in there uh, the whole time. I was just further goes to the point about whether or not you want to have your children in these environments at all. Uh, and then, I mean, wow, I would, there would have to be lots and lots and lots of conversations. And I would, even if I was a parent, I would be trying to go and spend time in, in these environments yourself so that you can see what's going on. What's the supervision like? What does the interaction look like between the children? Cause I mean, wow, it just <laughs> seems like apparently the half has not even been told with regards to the different ways that racism, white supremacy is being practiced against uh, children in a lot of these environments. Uh, other folks we've not heard from, if you had comments on what's been discussed thus far, or if you have your own situation, uh, if you have a hand up, line should be open. Uh, proceed. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. 
Um, greetings, everyone. I thought it was interesting. Uh, the recent caller was speaking about um, a situation going on at school, and um, you know, if we're dealing with, if adults are dealing with um, issues on the job, then your kids are probably dealing with things at school. Um, I did come across an article recently that reminded me about how um, white supremacy will always try to find a way to refine itself. And it was about a school in Florida, Polk County, uh, the Polk County School. I'm not sure specifically what school, but it had to do with a fundraising letter that went home. Or I'm not sure if it went home, but it, the, the, the letter itself did get um, out to some parents. And it spoke about um, if parents of a child would pay $100, then they would, their child would be allowed to skip, go all the way to the front of the lunch line rather than waiting in line. And, um, you know, it just is just really interesting to me about how that can impact and how blatant um, th that practice is started um, early. And, um, and 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 on purpose, I think sometimes um, you know people who may be confused, black people who may be confused about how the system works, um, might not believe that um, these practices would be so blatant, but um, sometimes they are. Um, and then another thing that I have noticed, um, especially uh, where I work, and um, and in conversations I've had with other uh, friends of mine. Um, in regards to being um, on the job is that um, you'll notice to what degree um, <laughs> racists are lazy. And what I mean by that is, is if, if you're aware of the system and you have a code and you've read your, you know, workplace policies and procedures, they absolutely do not like that because you're, you're holding a kind of standard that now they have to abide by you've turned their clubhouse into you know a, a place in which the rules now have to be followed and you know that, that can definitely be a um, one reason why they just simply don't like you there is because they're lazy you, you you just you have to you just have in a way kind of artificially raised the bar by simply just trying to protect yourself because you know that if you don't hold that standard then they will find any small way to get rid of you but if you are holding that standard, it really makes, it really highlights to what degree they are uh, lazy. Um, and that's all I wanted to uh, offer for comments for right now. Appreciate that. And again, if folks, you know, have figured out, because we have had a lot of folks who have experienced a lot of problems and anxiety having white people on the job who are not fulfilling their duties and obligations, lazy, trifling whites, uh, and what to do about that and how to keep white people who are not doing their job from making a problem for you in getting your job done. Uh, so definitely, folks, keep that in mind. If folks have figured out some things that are helpful, sometimes you have to get another white person to get that lazy white person to, you know, stop being shiftless and get some work done. Uh, if we got other folks who have not shared at all. Uh, if you have commentary either on what we've heard thus far or if you have your own situation that you're dealing with that you uh, would like to either share or get uh, perspective on, feel free. Line should be open. Uh, 
Yes, sir, Thomas in New York. You're, it's a little uh, distant. I don't know if you need to speak closer to your microphone. Is that better? Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Um, good evening, Doc. Good evening to all the callers. Um, forgive me, I was trying to talk, but I didn't have the right earpiece in. I was had the other earpiece in. Um, man, um, I was going to save my, reserve my commentary about um, what happened with the young girl until um, Saturday, but it kind of falls in line. So very quickly, what I was going to um, pretty much bring, bring it up to is um, going to football camp in high school, um, the sexual degenerate behavior that they would exude there, um, it was always something um, very like uh, one day they, if you went to sleep, you were in trouble, you know. So um, they put... Um, flexible, which is like a muscle rub on this guy's um, penis uh, while he was asleep. You know, like they, they pulled the pants down, the other one rubbed it on, you know, and they started laughing when it washed their hands. This guy jumped up in the middle of the night screaming, you know, and it was like the biggest joke to them. And it was like, man, this is the type of stuff they do to each other. So you could imagine the stuff they was doing behind each other's back, like maybe um, kissing in someone's shoe. Or, it was just like, it was just so disgusting. And stuff that, you know, we wouldn't, you know, our hazing was more, you know, you, you corner someone, you start punching them in the arm until, you know, for a few minutes, and then, you, you know, you, you know, they, then they're in, you know, there's this very, very sexually degenerate. And when I saw her putting a toothbrush in her butt and all that, it was just like, that's the type of stuff you expect from them. Um, this week, two observations. Uh, one was we had the so-called terrorist attacks here in New York. Um, so when I got to work that night at the hospital, of course, they were on high alert for some reason. Um, so it was a lot of police officers, and I, I was privy to some of the conversations. So I asked the police officer, the white cop who generally works at the hospital, um, how come that's a terrorist attack, but the terror, the dude who shot up the place over there um, in um, Las Vegas wasn't a terrorist attack. And he says, come on, you know why. And he smiled and he went right on with his conversation. So I, I think he was pretty much just telling me, like, come on, you know, he was white. Um, that's just what, all I would uh, take from that. Um, secondly, uh, along those same lines, uh, uh, another black guy at work who um, happens to work security. Um, uh, this is an older brother, and um, he had gotten to, uh, uh, I guess you could say, uh, a problem with a, a Latino person that's over him. Uh, when I say Latino, uh, I'm just trying to say it in the realms of being someone from the islands. Um, who speaks Spanish? Um, this person is 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 very light, um, but however he can't pass the white. Um, either way, this guy um, him got into it. So while we're sitting there, this is the day before Halloween. There's a another person that fits that same um, description that's standing there wearing he had his face fully painted like a skeleton face. So I'm like, what is this guy standing here? I'm in the emergency room. Anything could be possible. 
So this guy goes on to start talking to me, and he had a very um, revealing conversation about some of the injustices that he faces as a, a black person at that job as opposed to um, dealing with the uh, Latino um, people that's in charge. I'm just using that as a word so you know who I'm talking about. Um, either way, uh, while he's saying all this, he got into telling me about this um, black cop. Now, he works on the day shift at the job at my shift with the white cop. So I only see this guy in passing sometimes. So if he stay late, either way, he's has. He said he grew up with him. He has three um, degrees. And he's very intelligent. Always been, and he applied for the um, the head security position, which I guess would come with more perks than being a, a cop during the daytime. He's a, um, a I guess a detective or a narco. He wears clean clothes, but he has to be in uniform to work at the hospital. And either way, um, how he's applied for this job and how these um, these Latino people um, are messing with him because they want one of their own to get it. And how they even took a picture of him on his break while he was asleep on his break because he's working two jobs. You know, he's a cop during the day and doing this, that, um, as well. Um, you know, they took a picture of him sleeping and emailed it to the guy who he has the conflict with, that, I guess, in competition with him getting the job. And they're trying to wait for this guy to get one degree so he can get the job. It's all set up, and he was going through it. But while we're doing this talking, that as soon as um, the, the, one of the Latino guards come out, that guy with the paint, he happened to be an undercover cop. Um, he was, his partner got hurt. He goes over and starts talking to him in Spanish. So I said, I know he went back and said everything you just said. But um, it's just, just the dynamics of how that whole thing works. And I'll be my line. Thank you. Black get back. Wow. Uh, that I think we had talked about that uh, before. I think just in line with the firing, I think you can you can do that. I'm not saying not to do it. You can speak with an attorney. And it seems that frequently that does not help in the promotion situation. Sometimes it might. There might be a lawsuit. And, you know, after 50,000 appeals, maybe they will, you know, give you a few nickels. Uh, but it seems right in line with uh, in the system of racism, white supremacy, racists can fire any black person anywhere in the world, anytime they want to, regardless of the job you have. And that was the position I had even when President Obama was in the White House. I think in that same vein, I think they can deny promotion to a non-white person, black person anywhere in the universe, as long as the system of white supremacy exists, regardless of how many degrees you have stacked to the stealing and regardless of your competence, goes back to the first clip that I played. Now, you talk about stress and being disgusted in that sort of environment where you are extremely competent. You did exactly what they said. You spent all that time in school and all that money and studying and effort and discipline and all that sacrifice. And then there's not even a payoff like you got white people getting promotions and such who don't even have the job or non-white non-black people black get back uh who they can get the job uh after we wait and wait and wait for them to get one degree when i've already got three that right there will drive you to opioids or a whole lot of other you know destructive behaviors uh but certainly documenting one thing i would say about the the uh sleeping thing and it's nothing incorrect you, if i heard it correctly from what you said he was working two jobs i mean wow this is someone who is is the epitome of a hard worker and he's on a break uh where he says hey i can you know take a few moments or i can try to get some rest uh as opposed to oh man i'm <laughs> 
leave him, you know, leave him be and just go over here. It's all, oh, let's get a picture and see if we can, you know, <laughs> cut it out and, you know, send it to other his enemies on the job and maybe malign him or what have you. Uh, just keep that in mind. If you are tired and what have you, be mindful uh, that anything could happen to you while you are asleep. If you're in an environment where it's warm enough, if you own your own vehicle, maybe that would be a better option. Go out to your vehicle. Uh, I guess if it's cold, you could turn turn the car on with the heat on for a little while and you could just sit in there uh, and snooze a little bit. But man, uh, any, just like we talked about with the fire uh, workers, firefighters, uh, if you're in, in, in that environment, your sleep, your defenses are down, anything uh, could happen to you. And I, even that alone, if it's just, we want to take a picture and send it to this, you know, other guy that you're competing with for the job, even that, I mean, just would make me extraordinarily uncomfortable. Uh, and if it's anything that I could do to minimize that sort of thing happening to me, uh, I would do it. So maybe keep that in mind as, as a reason to not nap uh, on the job unless you can find an environment, you know, where you can be secluded and safe from that sort of thing uh, happening. Uh, other folks. Because, have- you know, that's the second time where, where it was someone sleep. Remember before I was working and um, the black guy I was working with took a picture of a white woman's sleep. Mm. And the other white worker wanted her, you know, they wanted that picture because they wanted to get her fired, and he didn't want to give it to them, right, you know. Right. And yeah, that was a, another instance. So yeah, I agree with you. Um, don't don't sleep on the job, um, you know, because you never know what's going to happen. I'm your mom. I remember that incident. I don't even think workplace racism existed at that time, but that became a big brouhaha. They were trying to confiscate the black male's phone where, you know, he had a picture of this and all like, whoo, policy and procedure thing came up there. Like, am I required to give you my phone to show? Like, cause I don't, if I remember correctly, this wasn't even, this wasn't like a sting operation. This was not, yeah, we're going to get her in trouble and, and that sort of thing. I think this was just something goofy that got, way serious uh and again it was almost like an isis type situation like you know we we can take your phone and uh, look through it and get the file so yeah don't sleep on the job particularly if you're a black person i would not snooze on the job go to your car or you know figure it out but yeah that is putting yourself in a dangerous situation uh if we have other folks if you have commentary you would like to share related to workplace racism Feel free, chime in, the number 641-715-3640 and the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 6 if you would like to participate. Remind folks, this broadcast is not for spectators. Uh, This is not one for people to dial in just to say, oh man, it is so entertaining to hear what's happening to the black people at work or their little anecdotes and what have you. That's not what this is for. Uh, this is about black people sharing experiences. And really, if you have figured out some things that work, we especially need that. Uh, but certainly if you're having problems as well, share. Uh, if you have important sections from policy and procedure, that is always great. Uh, make sure you're reading your policy and procedure, uh, that you have read the entire policy and procedure. Very, very important. Uh, a lot of time, racists, white supremacists, they benefit greatly uh, from us not being aware of what their stated policies are, because a lot of times they're not even observing their own policies. Other folks who dialed in with a hand up. Good 
Gus, may I um, add something really quick? I don't know if anybody else has, if there are any new callers. Uh, I don't see a new hand at the moment. Lots of spectators. So I reckon you can proceed. All right. It'll just be really quick. Um, I actually forgot um, just something else to report about my mother's job. I'm just going back to just what you just said, the policies and procedures. My mother said that um, there was one of the, there was a, uh, an employee that she was managing and it was during, and the employee was a new employee during the promo, probational period. And it seems like um, from the time that when I first started working, when I was 16 up until now, it seems like these probational periods are getting longer and longer. And so with the, with her particular job, there was a 90 day probational period and this black female, she was a very, she was very good at her job, but she kept, basically having excuses to be late or to miss work. She had um, a doctor's appointment or something else had happened. And so the final straw, my mother was actually um, not working that day, but the final straw was that um, the, the agent was warned about not being late or not calling off or else she would be fired. And the agent, um, the, the coworker, or I'm sorry, the employee, she was one minute late and they had um, in the, and my mother's uh, supervisor had went ahead and fired the woman. So it just definitely, um, I just definitely wanted to, you know, let everybody know that they, now that you have all of these different um, right to work states and all of these different in- increases in um, probationary periods, to definitely be mindful of even one minute late um, can, can get you fired. Um, that's all I wanted to add. Thank you. <laughs> that white man who is accused of being a sexual predator a serial sexual predator he did not get fired from npr he resigned this person was one minute late and they were fired just (laughs) pointing that out once again uh but yeah with uh policy and procedure for sure and even on the tardy thing mr fuller talked about that i think he has a great segment talking about that uh in terms of being on time because that's one that they get a whole lot of black people on that's one that comes down to discretion a lot of times as well, this person is a minute late. Maybe we let them slide. Maybe we don't. This person is 10 minutes late. Maybe we let them slide. Maybe we don't. A lot of that can come down to discretion, racism, white supremacy. But the timing thing, I would really factor that in when you get your job and say, hey, is this a job that I can comfortably get to, reasonably get to? 30 minutes, 20 minutes late, excuse me, 30, 20 minutes early every day. Like, think about that. Uh, Even before you take the job, you know, whatever, however I'm getting to work, you know, if I have to take public transportation or whatever you do, you bike, whatever, drive. uh, Can I get here reliably, consistently, 20, 30 minutes before I need to be here for this job? Like really taking it seriously on that time thing uh we even one of our listeners uh that's the code that she put in uh getting a new job uh and a job that hey i think i might want to keep this job for you know a year maybe even longer okay so that's your code for a job that you might want to keep for a longer period of time okay this is the time that i'm supposed to be here i'm gonna shoot for getting here 30 minutes before that time and that'll give me extra time i can gather my thoughts I can meditate. 
I can think about my day. I can do a myriad of things to prepare to make sure that I am mentally ready to begin my workday. And as I stated, whites are nosy, racist man, racist woman. They are paying attention and primarily they are paying attention to us. They're niggers. They noticed. Wow. You're here consistently every day. 30 minutes before time. Wow. That's so impressive. Like they noticed that's the sort of thing that you want them to notice. And hopefully that can be brought up when it is raise time. Like, oh, yeah, that's at least one in the plus column. Like you got a whole bunch of, you know, minuses that, you know, that and negras that goes together. But you got at least that one bonus that I do see you here early every day. Day after day, week after week, you are ready to roll. Wow, we wish we had more like you. Uh, other folks who dialed in with the hand up uh, that we've not heard from, uh, line open, proceed. Hey, Gus, can I say something about Tom real quick? Proceed. Yeah, speak, please. Oh, man. Uh, go ahead, real quick, Thomas in New York. Um, That's all right. My train's about to go. I'll pick you up on the other side. Yes, sir. Uh, the other caller uh, that just said uh, if you could speak yes we can hear you proceed sir uh yes may i speak please proceed yes um i'm based out in new york as well i basically see in my office a divide where the higher ups i'm in a certain field of technical background the higher ups basically want to only see white faces dealing with them so the rest of us we deal with a lower level of clients financially, but also they, all those clients that we tend to deal with, the rest of us that are black, quote unquote, non, non-white, we all deal with everybody that looks like us. Meanwhile, the higher ups, they all want to only deal with the people that are their complexion, white. So in the office, I'm on time, you know, I heard what you were saying about that, and that's that's very on point. They know that. But one of the major things I notice is that they constantly try to sabotage me in front of my manager. And I'm trying to figure out ways and how to deal with that, you know, because I'm not the loud, angry black man. I'm on time. I do what I need to do. But one of the things that's puzzling me that they're throwing is, like, this kind of, you're the player guy. Yeah, you get all the all the women in here, they're throwing out that quote-unquote bravado, hyper-masculine type of black male attitude at me. And I'm kind of like, <laughs> at the same time, I don't, I don't want to address it. Once in a while, I still have to say something. It's just I'm getting to a point now where I'm, I feel like I'm kind of getting tired of it. I may have to pull somebody to the side, but I'm not sure if that's a good move in this environment. You know, um, if I mute my line, I just would like to hear any suggestions as well. Mm. That's interesting. So they're, I guess, saying that you're, are they using the term player or are they using something similar? Absolutely. That's what, exactly what they're using. Oh, okay. Okay. So they're calling you a player and I guess using terms to suggest that you are getting a lot of attention from the females in the workplace or females in general. Uh, that, to me, sounds like the same type of racist perspective, like the black male is always the walking phallic symbol. I think James Baldwin uh, said that Fanon <laughs> certainly talked about that in Wretched of the Earth. Thank God we finished that one. Uh, but he talked about that as uh, as well. Um, 
It certainly in this climate, you know, it seems like that would be an easy one to stop in this climate. Like I think pretty much now anything that sounds like it maybe could be sexual. Like I don't think you would have to say a whole lot. I don't think you would have to grandstand or anything. Just, you know, hey, like I don't I don't know if that's the sort of, of conduct that we want to promote in this climate. Do you? I mean, you could just put that in the form of a question with all this. I mean, all it would take is one Harvey Weinstein comment or anything like that to maybe make people rethink if they want to continue to make that sort of joke in the workplace, I would think. Like, I, I mean, I'm serious. Like, I would wear that out. Anything that sounds remotely like, oop, I don't really like this. This sounds like it could be racist or I'm certainly uncomfortable with it and it's around sexual or anything like that pull out Harvey Weinstein. I don't know if this is, you know, for what's happening right now. Like, man, I, I would hope we kind of minimizing this sort of thing in the workplace. Don't you think that would be best? And just see what they think. Other, What what do other folks think? What do you think around uh, them, them using this term of calling him a player in the workplace uh, and how you would deal with that, getting this stopped? little distant uh if you could maybe speak closer to your microphone okay i'm gonna try to do that a little bit better uh speak up speak up is that better that's an improvement um one thing that i have gotten uh, in the habit of is, is when people are not using um being direct with language i'll just say and i'm not familiar with that term what do you mean by that and that puts them in a position in which they have to be specific. Um, I mean, that that could be one thing that you could uh, say, hey, I'm not familiar with the term player. I don't know what you're speaking. What do you mean by that? Um, and, hey, they'll be on record in some sort of uh, having to explain, you know, what, they're, what they mean. Um, that's one suggestion. Great. Always a fan of getting Thanks, folks to – explicitly explain terms that's a great one and stand in the question lane too always a great one what do you mean when you say player let me make sure this is you know an admirable term something that i want to aspire to be in this here workplace mm-hmm. other other folks what do you what do you think on dealing with being called a, a player in the workplace and how you would try to get that stopped i would say <clears throat> It's, it's somewhere in my mind that says to speak directly to the statement uh, by uh, stating that uh, I would appreciate it if you uh, identify me uh, by the name that I would that I uh, uh, by my name. That's what I like to be called by, and uh, if there is any identification of me. It should only be in reference to my yearly evaluation. Uh, it may that that may be that may be uh, for the for the most part it would be uh, uh, brought maybe individually, uh, but also if you know I, I can I can see an opportunity where it can be spoken uh, publicly within the, the group uh, when you, just about every job has some sort of uh, group discussion at some point in time. 
and that'll be an excellent time to express that that comment uh you know and give an alternative if if, if there is something to say about it then uh be quite clear on what you're talking about because i i don't understand on what you mean by by you know whatever that phrase is that uh is being brought up on a continuous basis to you know kind of like from the idea of to keep the uh, work environment as as uh clear as possible mhm appreciate that may I be heard yes ma'am um, I would suggest to uh, maybe even speak if you have um, a way to contact your HR department. If you don't want to do it, um, it's, it, it, you could do it like anonymously. As I've also expressed, I'd like to do try to do things as anonymous as possible, even though I understand that, of course, white people they can find out anything any given time. But off just like um, what Gus was saying with all the different sexual um, allegations that are going on within the media. And also, as the caller did mention, you know, this is it. I think that it is definitely a clear attempt to um, sabotage any um, promotions because what I've seen in, in my previous jobs, any black males who are known to, um, you know, definitely, uh, it seems like they'll be more confused and just um, have relations ships and relations with um, different females while on the job, they are the ones who are definitely kept in a more entry level or a close to entry level position. And I, it, it seems to me that they, they don't want necessarily that type of um, black male in, or maybe even a non-white male in any type of position of power, because that can then, and also just protect, you know, yourself as a black male if you are seen as that seen in that way previously if there, if you have to manage some type of white female that could be a way for them to bring up allegations against you um untrue allegations against you um thank you and i'll mute my line thank you again appreciate that red in ohio uh, we have any other thoughts suggestions on how to deal proceed with this being uh described as a player and how to get that stopped. Can I be heard? Emmy. Greetings, beautiful people. I do apologize. I'm in the store, but I wanted to comment while we were on the topic instead of waiting. So if y'all hear stuff in the background, I do apologize. Um, This may or may not work for your particular situation, but my code that I'm just defaulting to is I just don't say anything. I mean, it's so it's like chatter, unless it's directed directly to me. Like you know, in, in, to be honest, even then, I still don't say nothing. I just look, and then I move like I move on. Um, now, in terms of somebody like trying to sabotage promotions and stuff, I don't I don't know. Are they saying that in front of? Are they calling you a player in front of the person that would? Um, like grant you a promotion and you feel like that's kind of it blocking could, uh, your promotion or something? I'm sorry, go ahead. Abs- absolutely, pardon the interruption. Um, absolutely, that's exactly what is what is occurring. And I could see that I have, there's another non-white male that's basically going along with this as well, but he pretends to be kind of like my boy. Like, you know, we kind of grew up the same and things, but 
he pretends to be like he's cool with me, but then he'll go back to um, to them and chitter chatter with them about things that I may have said. And I, I've literally cut him off completely as far as my uh, opinions on race are because he believes that there's no such thing as white supremacy. And once he, once I know that, me and him can't have a conversation anymore. Not about that. <laughs> we could talk about the game, but not about that. Sorry, continue. I respect, oh, sorry. Um, I totally respect that. Even still, silence is just a code that works for me. Like I, I in many situations uh, in my work, my different workplaces, work settings, where someone will try to embarrass me or undermine me, and I've just developed a way of looking at them and then moving right back into whatever it is I'm saying so that I'm responding without saying anything because my experience has been that if I say something, I respond. Um, now there's some conversation or something and I'm not the best with controlling. Um, and, per- and perhaps this is why silence is the better code for me. Um, because if I open my mouth, I'm not able to just say it in a way without all of what I'm feeling coming through in my tone or my nonverbals or anything. Not like I'll start screaming, but you can tell that we're in conflict, if that makes sense. Yes, I, I understand so. that. So just yeah, I, I think that's just you being honest, part of it. Go ahead. I mean, did you have more? No, uh, sir. That's that's it. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to add really quick because it seems like he's been doing this a while. I got the impression, right? Like he's been uh, calling you a player or they, if it's a group thing, they've been doing this for a while. Like this didn't just start within the last couple of days. Is that correct? No, no, this is uh, definitely been going on for a while. I, um, <clears throat> I took notice when the, um, we had a new manager come in and I took notice that immediately in front of them, in front of him, that's what they projected, you know, and a lot of this has to do with the fact that these are, a lot of these are older white males, you know, like they, they, they're, they're going to do their job and they know their job, but they know that they're on the way out, you know, and I'm, I'm coming in. So it's a, it's a different type of scenario for them. And that's part of the reason why I may be to them a threat. It's understandable. You know, but um, I think the underhanded tactic that they're using is definitely racial and it's very hard to get away from, you know, from what I'm noticing. But I do like what the sister said about the tactic of, of actually giving an attention, speaking to it, but not speaking to it. That is also another option as well. One thing I would say real quick to any of these situations, and it's not just this anytime where whites have been engaging in some sort of incorrect white supremacist behavior and maybe you didn't recognize it as that or maybe it just made you uncomfortable and you didn't know how to deal with it and then when you get to a point of better understanding where you now recognize this is incorrect and or now you have figured out okay now I'm ready to deal with this and see if I can stop this it's been my experience that that can be uh, difficult sometimes it's for whites. It's like, oh man, you know, our niggers, you know, changing up the rules on us, man. This is how we like to get down. This is, you know, how we like to have fun. Now you're trying to be all different and all that. Uh, just in my view, 
uh, just that is something that is important to be mindful of because sometimes this can even become a you've changed, man. Is something wrong? Are you depressed? Like, you know, you're seeming stressed out. And that's the sort of thing it can become. Uh, just if there's a, a shift where you're reflecting more black self-respect uh, and just correctly recognizing, wait a minute, this is, you know, incorrect. Just some of the things that are happening, the way that I'm being treated. And I want to make sure we're proceeding in a correct way where I'm not being mistreated, where I'm not being called a player. Uh, just and in that vein, since it, it seems like this is something that's been happening for a while, it might be the suggestion about just whatever you think is best. The question just about asking, you know, Todd, whatever his name is, Todd, uh, what uh, what exactly do you mean when you say player? Uh, just, you know, making sure here on the same page and see what he says. Uh, and then once he explains, you know, I think it'll be much easier if he explains something that's trashy or something uh, that is not the type of person that they would promote in the company. Well, then, hey, I, <laughs> I don't know if I want to be called uh, a player around here. That's that's not me. That's not what I'm about at all. And you can just proceed that way. Uh, also, the, the comment when you said that this guy, is it a white person? That's what we're talking about. Just making sure I'm not confused. You said you all kind of grew up with the same background and this person doesn't think there's a system of white supremacy. This is a white person that we're talking about. Um, well, basically, like I said, there's a, a group of them that's the whole group is white. Our team is separated straight color line. It's blatantly obvious. That group tends to have their own office and me and another coworker have an office. Mm. The non the non-white person that I work with is, quote-unquote, would term himself as Hispanic. And um, this is something interesting also. I mean, we could probably have a whole show on that. You probably already did. I'm catching up to a lot of uh, your shows, by the way. Um, I bought a Tommy, Tommy Curry's book, definitely off of it. And um, I got to be honest, he, he's striking me as the person that I have to constantly watch what I say around him. And I realize that every time we speak, and the one time he spoke, we spoke about race, he mentioned that he doesn't believe in white supremacy and that, you know, I mean, white people don't control finances. They don't control health. They don't control. Pardon, all. I mean, pardon me one, pardon me one moment. That is interesting. I just, that's what the question was, is this person white? You said he identifies as Hispanic. So I, I guess I'll ask you, do you think he could at any point, practice function as a white man absolutely oh okay so if we're talking to someone who is a racist suspect well one i would go back to something i've said a lot on workplace racism i think it would be best to not have any sort of conversation at work uh, about racism, white supremacy. The question that I asked, I didn't even, well, it, it, that is important. <laughs> but uh, for this particular <laughs> suggestion about not talking about racism on the, on the job, the race of the person is irrelevant. Whether they are white or not has nothing to do with it. I have just not, I cannot think of a situation where it has benefited a non-white person uh, in their career. Like that is how I got that promotion. I went in there and told him we had to get Amos Wilson and we had an in-depth discussion about white supremacy and my career was on and popping from then. I've never heard that. Uh, I have seen the exact opposite in the workplace. So my recommendation would be it is not this is not the time. This is not what we signed up for to have discussion about. Do you think white supremacy exists and who's in charge of the world? That would be one white or no. Uh, I also would not encourage non-white people to be in a lot of discussion about sports 
on the job. I just think that's promotes kind of another level of uh, just not being serious. That's all. We, we did not come here to talk about Tiger Woods or how great the Lakers look or that LeVar ball is like, that is not what we came here to do. Like let's get, and that's another one that often takes a turn for the tacky because somehow OJ Simpson has got to come up or Tiger Woods will be accused of doing something. The racism will come in there too. Uh, I would just keep it about business and something just seems kind of tacky about we come into work. We're going to pretend to be cool. And the thing that we will talk about will be sports. That just seems real tacky. Like we're not going to talk about Bitcoin technology, blockchain, uh, blockchain technology. We're not going to talk about anything. Of so- we're just going to talk about, man, did you see the ball game? Like, come on. <laughs> it's, it's the 21st century. Any other suggestions on how to, to get the player thing stopped? Make sure, Roz, did you have a suggestion for this particular before we move on to the next subject, Roz, or did you have something else you wanted to address? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Thank you. I dropped off the line, so I totally forgot. I was up there trying to get on. I was like, oh, yeah, I dropped off the line. I didn't press the six one. Um, thank you. Um, yes, I would I would ask first. I think everyone gave great, great um, advice. I would ask definitely, um, what does that term player mean? I think that's brilliant. Um, just to elucidate what it means because we all know that the term player is not going to have a positive connotation. Now, once they do let you know what that means, I would ask, well, why would you choose me of all the other people in this company to apply that label to wait for an answer on that? Um, and then I would say, um, I truly prefer to be called by my name. I, I think um, I would ask you, do you think that with the situation that did happen with uh, Harvey Weinstein, do you think that that is something that we should be promoting in the workplace at all? Um, so I prefer that you please call me by my name and not a label that you have chosen to apply to me. Do not call me by anything but give them your name. If you choose to, you may not get an answer. That's what I would, I would I actually say. Um, I don't know what state you're in. If you can look up the, 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 the laws on recording, if your state allows, uh, you know, recording of a person who's a party to a conversation, I'll record every conversation possible between yourself and that person and especially conversation. Um, once they do, because like I said, the term player does not have a positive connotation, then you can move forward with just, just like, like Gus has said on previous programs, please call me by my name. That's it. And, and again, if it's a situation where you're not dealing with emergencies or you're not like a 911 operator, if they choose to call you, hey, playboy, or whatever stupid label they come up with, you act like you didn't hear them and you keep it moving. And when they finally get fed up of being ignored, they're going to call and name it for something important and work-related, and they'll know to just leave that alone. I don't know how, um, you know, hopefully it'll be for you. Um, let me know, let us know, I should say, um, you know, which of those things might work for you down the road. I also think Emmy's, suggestion of um of being silent is also good because one thing is um when you do get into a conversation if you don't take the proper counter racist approach you'll be letting them know how you feel especially if those feelings are negative and white people are vampires delectable negro they're going to feed off of that once they know that they they have you in a position where they're where they're making you uncomfortable they're going to continue to um uh basically push that point with you to continue to enjoy feeding most of the energy that you're giving off. 
So I don't know what the situation is for you, only you know that personally. But that's the, if I had to have a conversation, that would be the conversation I would have because I think it's a good counter-racist one. You're asking questions, and you're allowing them to box themselves in. And once they do so, you can let them know, I prefer to be called by my name, not a label that you choose to apply to me. If you choose to keep calling me that, be aware that you're not going to get an answer. Thank you. I'll meet my line. Appreciate that, Roz. Uh, number again, 641-715-3640, code 564-943-POUND. Press star six if you would like to participate. I'm so thankful I didn't forget. Uh, you had said that you and this gentleman grew up with a similar background. This person who says he is, quote unquote, Hispanic, doesn't think there's a system of white supremacy and that we think is a suspected racist. Uh, if he is a racist suspect, you and he did not grow up in a similar manner at all uh, because he grew up learning the rules. If he is a racist suspect, someone who can function as white, he grew up learning how to be a racist. You did not. That is an astronomical difference. Uh, other folks uh, have comments they wanted to share on workplace racism. If you had your own situation or if you had <clears throat> comments on what we've uh, been discussing thus far, proceed. Good evening. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Um, Thanks for allowing me to share, um, Gus. And I would like to, well, I was, <clears throat> this is a kind of a coincidence. I was speaking with a, um, a non-white black female today that um, I've worked with before. Um, again, we're, uh, I work in a, a military setting, you know, where most of the staff members are in, uh, <clears throat> in the military. But uh, she was telling me um, a story um they received, there's a new um, military white female doctor who is the supervisor at the clinic that they work at. She's, um, yeah, she's the supervisor. She's a new supervisor, maybe been there maybe a month, month and a half at the most. So um, she came to the clinic, again, as the supervisor, and was, uh, you know, changing some things for what appeared to be better for the uh, the uh, other workers there, you know, uh, allowing them to have more time off, um, light, lightening or uh, lessening the, uh, I guess, the the patient load that they receive. But anyway, today, um, the non-white black female was telling me that uh, the doctor, white female doctor, took the other staff members um, out for lunch and, you know, paid for it and was like, hey, you know, you guys order whatever you want. Don't worry about it. I'm, going, I'm paying for it. And, you know, order whatever you want. So they're, you know, ordering. They're playing games. Uh, I think they're playing pool. Just a v variety of games that they had at the location where they ate. And, you know, I guess having a good old time. Again, this is uh, partially during work hours, and but uh, mostly during, the, you know, everyone's lunch hour. So the wife and my doctor decided to go around, I guess, you know, I guess she wanted to, you know, practice some racism or, you know, have a little fun and have some, uh, you know, these, the typical uh, game that they play like, hey, we're going to go around the table and tell everyone, try to tell everyone something about yourself that we don't know. 
or whatever. So, again, she's the new person. Everyone else is very familiar with each other. So I guess they they were going around the table. And so there's uh, one uh, black male who's a, who's a uh, I guess, a anti, he practices anti, he's an anti-sexual or whatever. So this guy, it was his turn to speak to, you know, tell him um, something about him that no one knows. And then she interrupts him as he's about to speak. He said, she says, wait, let me guess. You used to be a girl. And then, you know, everyone is, you know, it appeared to be that uh, everyone was, you know, laughing it off like it was, you know, funny or whatever. So that was one incident. And then uh, another incident, um, the uh, military doctor had, uh, she had visited a, uh, a certain, um, like a naval vessel, which, you know, a, a submarine. And she, she visited a submarine. And they were talking about, of course, the spaces aboard, on board these submarines are very small. They're very compact. So it's not a lot of room. So um, she was telling, um, you know, everyone, the other uh, workers about, you know, this trip to the submarine. So there's a black male, which I, I spoke about in another, uh, <clears throat> another story, uh, Workplace Racism, before. There's a black male very tall. Um, he's, you know, heavily melanated. Uh, he's not the heaviest, but he's, you know, pretty, uh, you know, uh, his tone is, uh, rather, uh, uh, melanated. So very tall as well. Um, so she says, yeah, you know, we went on the, um, submarine, oh, man. Uh, and she referred to the black male, tall black male, yeah, I bet if you were on that submarine, everything would have just turned dark, you know. I guess it would have been a quote-unquote blackout if he would have, you know, walked upon the uh, submarine. And, again, everyone's laughing. And I'm wondering if, you know, these people that she's, I'm pretty sure they didn't, you know, they felt like they were forced to laugh because, again, she's the supervisor, has power, way more power than they have. And, you know, they're laughing and and, and goofing off. So those were two um, incidents. And then also uh, the place where I work, you know, there's a black male that used to work at the place where I work, but he uh, he no longer works there. He ha- he's in a totally different field, you know, but he decided to visit our workspace and just say hi because he, he works upon the same uh, military installation, but just in, at a different building doing a totally different um um, job um, that's out, our, outside of our field, uh, which is medicine or whatever. And he, he's visiting. And then our new supervisor, white male, who I guess he he uh, says he's Italian. I don't, you know, anyway, but white male uh, who, you know, frequently practices racism. Um, I guess he uh, he saw the uh, black male visiting and he approaches him. And, you know, they're, you know, he's pretending to be, joking and he you know he said hey so what exactly do you do now and you know the black male is explaining and um and i and i peeked outside of the the area where i work just to see what's going on and um this uh the white male doctor um supervisor has uh, this black male's badge in his hand it's like he's 
he's like he's a, a police officer, so to, I mean, or enforcement officer, so to speak. He's just looking at it, and and I don't know if the black male offered it up, but I think the guy just grabbed it, you know, and was just looking at, you know, let me look at your your badges and let me see what your job title is, because you know, because I'm white and I uh, that's what I want to do. And, um, you know, the black man explaining exactly what he's doing. He's in the IT field. And um, and then the uh, white male makes a joke like, oh, so you're just a computer monitor. Get it? Computer monitor? Ha, 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 ha. He's laughing. So, and I kind of, you know, I kind of thought when I heard that, I was thinking about, I guess, Dr. Martin Kevorkian talking about color monitors or something like that. That kind of, but anyway, he's just, he was just uh, practicing um, racism and, yeah, as usual. And um, so lastly, I would like to say this. Um, I would like to get, you know, some opinions. I don't want to, I didn't want to take too much time on this, but as far as this white male doctor, my supervisor, you know, he calls me by my last name, which is, um, it's kind of um, common, commonplace in a military environment, but really you should be calling about Mr. or Mrs. or Miss you know, he just says, you know, my last name, you know, and I kind of take that and, and I don't, you know, I'm going to, I know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to say anything unless he, he gets a little far. He throws another syllable or tries to make it a pet name or something, but I take it as practicing racism because, I mean, he doesn't say, hey, Mr. So-and-so, blah, 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 and dress me that way. And I think he's just taking that away to, you know, just kind of, I don't want to say demean me, but just make sure, hey, I'm, you know, I'm uh, superior to you, and I'm not going to refer to you as a mister. You don't deserve that label as mister. I'll just call you your last name. And the other black males that worked with me, um, they all have, you know, initials. as na- They don't refer to them as mister, blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, JD or DJ or T, you know, just that. And I kind of, and I'm not sure if these black males requested to be called this, but I just kind of assumed that more racism is just being practiced. And I just wanted to take note of that. But I was wondering what people think about the Mr. Miss or or anything like that, because I'm very serious around the workplace. And, you know, I refer to people as their full um, whatever identity, where it's, whether it's military title or if they're a civilian i say miss or blah 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 but um that's all i had to share uh thanks thanks for allowing me to share appreciate that i completely agree in terms of them not placing calling you mister in front of your name Uh, i think that's a long it's a long history of that that method of white supremacy being practiced and i think all of that is connected uh, either not call with the mail call that we had previously. Hey, player. And all of that is connected. Uh, I think we've had people call in before when they go to speak with you. It becomes all of this hip hop jargon and all of that that they never do. Hey, what's up, bro? And the crazy handshakes uh, might take the form of we just won't put sir in front of it. It might take the form. Of they call you by your first name in an environment where most people are being referred to by their last name all of that. We just got to find a way to undermine and make sure. And it's really to make sure that I am able to actively demonstrate my contempt 
for my niggerizing this black person. I mean, that's really what it is. You know, I don't I do not see you. I don't think of you as being an equal. You're a nigger. And that's going to come out some way, shape or form. If that means that I I just don't call you, sir. I don't ever call nigger, sir. So, you know, just be Johnson. Johnson. Everybody else. Mrs. Jackson. Mrs. Turner. Mr. Nelson. Johnson. Johnson, like, uh, and it's standard, long running. If I, uh, I think what you said makes sense in terms of waiting. If it, if it changes, if you are acceptable, him just calling you by your last name in that environment, fine. But if it changes, he's not pronouncing it correctly or tries to add something on, then to ask a question or say something about it that makes, to me at least, that makes reasonable uh, sense as well. Uh, the tackiness of the earlier situations, I guess the, and again, this is why I meant to say that that was such a great reminder. This we're now in the horror day season. So there might be a lot of these instances where let's go out, you know, for drinks or let's go out for a meal. It's the season and all that I'll pay for it. Or we'll make it a group activity. Why I've said for years to avoid those type of instances, because this is what you're going to get some tackiness. Uh, the situation, the first situation I think you mentioned where it's a black uh, male, maybe he's engaged in anti-sexual behavior, quote unquote homosexuality, and you're supposed to say something that people don't know. And this tacky race soldier, white woman blurts out, oh, you were a girl. Total tackiness. That's about what you can expect. A lot of times in these sort of situations, alcohol might be involved. I would avoid it. Uh, and or if you're going to go to be prepared that it could be a lot of that sort of conduct and they might even try and easily excuse things that are said there might be a great environment depending on you know how you feel about taking your recorder uh, because I have seen situations and this has happened on my job where uh, things that people did and or said in those environments did end up having an impact on their job performance so might be another great reminder if you do have to participate have your recorder at the ready uh, just for when think of it this way have your recorder at the ready for not if when the tackiness begins uh, and so I got the book on my desk right now color monitors uh, Dr. Martin Kevorkian's the black face of technology in America uh, he is an admitted white supremacist been on the program many times I have to see if I can remember to play him uh, the clip of this segment I'm sure he would uh, get a hoot and maybe even give some analysis to a black person being referred to as a uh, color monitor uh, in some sort of uh, tacky joke racist joke at that on the job uh, other, oh I guess you did say you wanted feedback about the sir situation did folks have uh, comment or I guess suggestions thoughts about how you would proceed with the White man who is not saying Mr. in front of his name. He's just calling by his last name in an environment where it would seem that that's kind of stands out as being peculiar. That folks have thoughts about that. Uh, yes. Uh, I uh, kind of like didn't think of it in that in that way until the uh, caller uh, expressed it. And I can see where I can see his point on where that was uh, uh, a sign to him of a sign of uh, being disrespectful, uh, perhaps. Uh, uh, because my thought has been as far as things like shortening my first name, uh, uh, but I can I can see that the the not having the uh, 
the title part uh, in front of the last name. Uh, a lot, uh, for the most part, uh, when I was called Mister Fill in the Blank, uh, it was some. It was for some sort of trouble <laughs> on the on the job itself, as far as that concerned. Uh, I uh, quote unquote legally changed my last name uh, to something that I wanted to uh, be known by. And uh, like the military, you have a, uh, a your, you have your name on a tag on your on your breast, uh, part of your uniform. And uh, I uh, basically the, the the job itself helped me uh, enforce it. <laughs> you know, I mean, me not having any power, but uh, if I mean, you you had the the. Everybody on the fire department had to, had to adopt to that immediately. And uh, I, uh, of course, was vigilant on it. And simply if I didn't uh, get uh, addressed in that way, I just wouldn't answer. As simple as that, you know. And uh, that, would be, that would be quite uh, difficult to proceed on a job like I was on. And the person who was incorrectly uh, giving me uh, an, another a false identification would be the one that would have been in trouble, not me. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, I can see where he, he was talking about with the uh, not giving uh, a title <clears throat> in it. I, I just wanted to speak on the first part he was talking about. And my question would be, and, and he can, maybe he can answer it also. It, it, it's kind of hard sometimes to to figure out when, with military terms on when something is an order and when it's not. I said that because that if I didn't have to be in that session where this uh, officer or official or whoever that person was of authority mentioned about talking about things that people wouldn't know, I, uh, I would be out of that meeting right there if, uh, you know, uh, if, if it was something that wasn't a quote-unquote order. And uh, last but not least, in the in, it was a movie that Denzel Washington played in, uh, where his job he his, he was in the military and, and on this submarine, and in that small environment, the, the session I don't know if y'all remember the movie, uh, but the session where they were at the dinner table, quote unquote dinner table, and that's something you couldn't you can't escape from I I, I presume. And and from there, they were engaging in quote unquote small talk. But the actor that Denzel Washington played, and I know part of him probably played a part in it, in in, in itself, he was quite codified in how he behaved. If anybody can remember the name of that movie and the scene that I'm talking about, he was quite codified when he was asked uh, certain questions at that dinner table. Uh, and, uh, so even if you're forced to be in that type of environment, you know, be always be prepared to have some sort of codified response, uh, to, uh, silly questions like, because actually it, it what it is, it's, it's white supremacy at its best, at its, at its works, uh, prying, prying into their non-white victims, uh, person, personal, personal, uh, uh, lives. That's basically what it is. And uh, that's all I have to say. Crimson Tide. 
Gene Hackman. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Do you, you remember the scene I'm talking about? I believe. I, I thought so. it was very. Co- I think it was quite codified. It, it was. It was like a, a you know questioning around the table, and he actually wasn't saying anything at first, which is also a codified response. But the the captain of the entire ship kind of like put him on the spot, and he gave he gave he gave quite codified responses to uh, what was being uh, talked about. On the, on the, you know, so I'm just saying, be prepared, be prepared for things like that. If it is something that you can't physically get out of, well said. That's it. <clears throat> Any other thoughts on uh, the mail caller situation, where this suspected racist is not saying Mister? When he references him, he'll just call him by his last name. Any any thoughts on how he should proceed with that? Perhaps folks can ponder on it. If uh, you have thoughts on either how to proceed or what you, uh, if you just how processing what might be happening to motivate the race soldier to behave in this manner, you can share as we role. Is it anyone that we've missed completely? Any callers have a hand up that we have not heard from at all? Uh, have commentary that they wanted to share? Uh, hello, Matthew? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, I'm, uh, I'm a student, so uh, does that qualify for uh, workplace racism? You said you're a student? Yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. Proceed. <clears throat> oh, yes, yeah, so I'm calling out of a uh, North Carolina, and I go to a, uh, I, I guess what you would call a quote-unquote liberal uh, university, and um, there's a plethora of things that I could just say on uh, some of the attackiness of white people. Um, I also play a, play a sport, I play rugby and football there, and um, the rugby team is majority white uh, with some uh, white people from Europe that are studying abroad on the team as well. And uh, a quick thing that I noticed from playing football and rugby is that even when white people are on opposing sides, they're still on the same team. (laughs) They're still on the same team. I mean, the handshakes, the way they approach each other. I mean, I just left Baltimore from playing football um to the season of rugby ended and there was a fight, but that's besides the point. Um some of the coded things I've learned from being around, around white people and just not talking or diverging my not divulging my own information. Um one as I was playing they do something called a Zulu, which is basically when a player uh scores his first points, uh they'll have a party and they will uh that that player who scored will strip down uh, naked, and he will run in a circle as the fellow teammates encircle him, and they will pour a beer around him in the nude, and he will say Zulu warrior, Zulu warrior, which I found extremely just uh, awful, uh, terroristic, uh, like some kind of ritual, very very homoerotic. Um. I guess, too, 
I've been, you know, talking to, uh, you know, females, I'm trying to talk to females, just, you know, plutonic or, or whatnot, just, you know, just talking. And I've learned that a lot of white white females are playing uh, intermediaries in between the relationships between um, black females and black males. And they have ran away a lot of black women that I've, I've spoken with um, just because they, for some reason, well, I understand the reason, they trust um, these white women more because it's under the guise of, you know, safety. But, you know, we're all students. There's not a, really a threat. It's just that they're like showing some sort of power over uh, black females. But the, at the same time, the white females uh, approach the black males, you know, which is it's, it's its own thing. And um, three, uh, the, the professor's there. So, um, a lot of times I was just threatened by a professor because I had on my headphones and I was walking in a parking lot, parking lot deck. And uh, as I was walking, she was pulling up beside of me and she wrote a window down and said, if you don't take down, you take off your headphones, one day you're going to die. And she like just sped off. Um, it's just been like, a, I have an experience like almost every single day. But uh I've been trying to be patient. It's just a lot of stress, and uh, I'll put myself on mute. Uh, thank you for allowing me to share. Wow, uh, that I think we, I, we've had a few other listeners who called in about the headphones, having headphones on, and being attacked by racists, uh, even you know, in the grocery store and what have you. Um, just that is definitely something to keep in mind if you do have headphones on. That we are on a system of racism, white supremacy, and that that might those headphones might compromise your ability to hear what's happening around you in a system where people are looking to harm you, unfortunately, if you are black, non-white, but especially if you're a black person. Uh, that notwithstanding, like, wow, that the whole, in terms of being a student and, and at that level, uh, it's, it's going to be a myriad of things that you deal with. I think in understanding that, I think, number one, puts you in a much better position, uh, understanding what you said, that regardless, people that are classified, individuals classified as white, they are working as a unit. They are the only race on the planet practicing racism, white supremacy, and understanding that even when it looks like, even when they might be verbalizing that they're enemies and I don't like such and such and we're feuding. And as you said, you know, on opposing teams, they got into a fight uh, at the game uh, today and what have you. But they're still white. They will get together and have a beer afterwards. Uh, in terms of the ritual that you observed, I mean, there are annals of books and dissertations and what have you that have been written about the homoerotic white rituals uh, at the collegiate level and particularly at fraternities and what have you and the sports. I was thinking of the Duke lacrosse incident uh, from some years back, Crystal Mangum, the black female who's in greater confinement now who alleged uh, what happened with the Duke lacrosse team. But uh, the full title of Vincent Harding's book is the delectable Negro human consumption and homo eroticism within us slave culture. Read the whole book on the book club earlier this year for sure, important now been mentioned a bunch of times uh, on the broadcast this evening, but that is wow. Not only the homoeroticism, but that sounds dangerous. I would not feel comfortable participating in that, being around that as a black person in any way, shape, or form. Um, 
Wow. <laughs> that is, yeah, I'll just, I'll leave that there. Wow. Uh, make sure you talk. Me, uh, Gus, I just want to, yes, sir. I want to clarify. I'm yes, sorry. sir. Yes, sir. Uh, the, I put the, the football team or the club football team is <clears throat> predominantly black and the rugby team is predominantly white. Okay. And I just want to say, uh, with the football team, there, we were facing another predominantly black football team and there was a fight. There was a lot of trash talking. Mm. When you play rugby, which is predominantly white, they're shaking hands, calling each other sir, helping each other up. And it's it's like you said, you could be killing each other during the game, but they are on the same side. And everything you say has been correct. That was just clarifying. Mm. I appreciate it. Accuracy is important. Strive for accuracy. Thank you for setting it straight. And uh that is depressing. There's certainly nothing to rejoice about if what Gusty Renegade has concluded about what's happening on this planet is accurate. That is a horrendous thing, but uh, I would much rather have the truth and then we can deal with it and, you know, go about the business of solving this problem than to lie to ourselves. And say, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's wonderful. Uh, we got the Lulu ceremony and, you know, Mr. Weinstein and it's all great. Things going great. Uh, other folks uh, commentary that they wanted to make sure they get in. We have about 30 minutes left. Please don't wait till the last minute. If you have commentary you want to share. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. This is um, in reference to the, the current call of the uh, rugby and football player. And what I thought was really interesting, he said that the uh, white women, if I'm not mistaken, kind of play as an intermediary between the black women and the black men. Is that correct? Is that what you said? Yes, sir. Um, I've been having a conversation with a a lot of my uh, black women friends in, in regards to gender and. What does this have to do with workplace racism? Oh, okay. I was waiting. Say that again. No problem. If it's related to workplace racism, I was curious. Uh, it well, it was just that 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 dynamic, that uh, intermediary between uh, the uh, black women and white women, and I think, I think it's that that whole we're both women thing is often used as a tactic to confuse um, um, the black woman that I've had this conversation with have concluded that. Um, they don't have anything in common with white women except for the same bathroom they might use. But besides that, they have concluded they have more in common with black men than they do with white women. So, you know, this is something I just wanted to um, um, say or get some feedback on. And I believe I've concluded the same thing. So that whole overall women, well, when you start taking away these so-called pieces, I think um, Dr. Tommy Curry talks about how intersectionality doesn't work well. If they had to choose one, they will always pick white, for they'll pick being a woman. Context. And I will meet my life. Appreciate it. Context of white supremacy. We have other folks who had comments they wanted to share. If you had your own situation you want to touch on, or if you had comments on what you have heard thus far, feel free. Did anybody have difficulties with the uh, horror day? Halloween was this week, so they tell me. Did it, that cause a workplace problem for anyone as we prepare for all of the, the holidays that are getting ready to uh, run down as the year wraps up? I, 
I didn't uh, uh, for the for, well for obvious reasons because I'm you know retired. But uh, just wanted to say to the uh, the last caller, the college student, uh, the best thing about you know uh, uh, school uh, in in this term college is that it is uh, organized to the standpoint almost from a daily standpoint of what what is going on and uh so therefore at the same time i think at the same time you should uh codify your time in college i.e by daily or weekly monthly semester wise and what you're going to do what you're going to what 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 goals you're going to accomplish that sort of thing and of course minimize your contact with white people uh that is always is a uh, something that has to go into your planning and uh you would probably avoid uh a lot of uh, situations that would uh uh jeopardize you accomplishing what you go to college for which is to learn something and and also get that credential let's call a diploma I have a <clears throat> compensatory request. Uh, the student who just spoke up, who was sharing about his experience, scholar athlete, no less. Uh, my request would be since you you're a scholar, you're in school uh, students, you know, you do reports. You, you have made your observation. It would be great if you could like I was going to say write us a report. But, you know, if you. Some people are visual. So if the report was a video, that would work too. But if it could be some sort of report on what you learned, like in your time on the rugby team, like that ritual, like that's the sort of thing I think even Dr. Curry would appreciate, like having that documented in detail, like this ritual of, you know, pouring the beer and being nude. I mean, wow, <laughs> like to read Vincent Woodard, Delectable Negro, and then, then hear that this is happening right now, 2017, you know, at this is our young, what they call best and brightest, quote unquote, uh, young uh, men, presumably, uh, and this is what they're doing. And at the same time that the Weinstein and all this other stuff is going on, um, that would be great. So if that's something that you could kind of write up in terms of just the things that you saw and what that reveals about what it means to be white and how racism, white supremacy operates, just that would be great. Does that sound like something of interest that would be worthy of your time and energy that, you know, you'd even be interested in doing? Absolutely. Uh, all I need, I guess, is uh, information to send these things. Uh, you know, I, I guess contact information. Because uh, I see a lot of more things than that that I saw on that team. Uh, even at that college itself. I think... Uh... I mean, certainly you could send it to me, but I mean, just in terms of being like serious about the scholarship of counter racism, like I, I, I mean, that's the sort of thing I think if you wrote it on like academia.edu or something where, you know, it could be like a professional type presentation. I am sure Dr. Curry and many other scholars would want to take a look uh, and read and even just counter racists like myself would appreciate, you know, something like a value, like, because I think it's serious and worthy. This is the this is the type of uh, these are the types of acts that are often 
uh, obfuscated and minimized. And then when you end up having something like Daniel Holtzclaw happen or Jerry Sandusky or, you know, just go on down the line, everybody sits around, boy, boy I can't believe it. And this sort of thing has been happening all the time. Maybe, you know, maybe Mr. Weinstein, maybe he played lacrosse, to, rugby, excuse me, maybe he was on the rugby team too, you know, with uh, with some of this behavior. But I think getting some serious documentation that's Written, I think that would be great. Like, uh, yeah, again, if it's worthy of your time and energy. But yeah, until justice at, at gmail.com, my email, if you write up something and, and want to share, I would love to uh, post it. I'm sure some of our listeners would love to check out your material as well. Oh, that sounds great. That's, that's until justice. Yes, sir. Until justice at gmail.com. All right. Thank you, sir. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Other folks, anybody we missed completely have commentary they want to share? Proceed. Yes, sir. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Oh, yes. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. There was a few um, incidents that I have uh some were from about two weeks ago and some were recent. Um, just to get those out of the way, there was uh, some jokes being made. Um, I guess you can call it a joke. Uh, there was a, a white supervisor that uh, I guess had to go outside and move her car when they had those um, like Nazis, like or whatever, um, doing a little march uh, downtown about two weeks ago. And somebody said that, well, damn, I wonder where she went. I think she went to go get a, um, a hood, you know, a clan hood. So somebody, like, I, I think that was a black person, said that about the uh, supervisor. And, like, I spoke to my mother and apparently somebody else made like a white person said this about uh, like another white person that was taking that day off during the uh, Spencer speech. They said, hmm, why is he taking the day off? He must go in and purchase his clan gown or something like that. And it was a, a um, she reported to me it was a, a white person and a non-white male, like, you know, laughing about this this white guy that's uh that took that day off and I guess made the accusation that he was going to go wear a uh, KKK outfit. Um, and uh, there was another person who uh, was speaking about, you know, she would ask a question to Richard Spencer, um, what would be considered a white person and as she was talking about this and the judge was standing next to her she was saying well you know and she kept um interrupting herself saying well you know i don't agree with it or anything um but you know i'm 116th cherokee not you know this is what she's saying i'm 116th cherokee you know and I would ask him, you know, who would be a white person. So, and I said, you know, maybe you could ask him that. And uh, 
was something else somebody else mentioned about that um that point in time two weeks ago, and uh, there was a a white person who uh, I guess was having some personal issues, and it looked like a lot of commotion was going on, and she was very hysterical, like crying and upset. So this white person, uh, she never really gave me any trouble or whatever. She was uh, courteous to me, but she got up and walked off the job, and I never seen her again. But what's interesting is that there was a black female hired, and she's sitting right at that same desk. But the this person, from what I'm hearing, was um, very, I guess, uh, I guess hostile or whatever, like threatening to quit, like multiple times, causing a scene, throwing up belongings all over the desk, you know, causing a disturbance. And, you know, I guess basically bluffing that she would uh, quit the job, but she just kept continuing to work when there have been black people, you know, as the comparisons have been made before who were fired for, you know, a lot less things, uh, things that weren't as um, severe. So this person actually left, okay, she walked off the job when a few weeks ago the non-white female was uh, terminated, so definitely uh, a very interesting, powerful comparison. Uh, two last things. Um, there was a metaphor that was used um, that a black female said to me, and her white supervisor came and repeated it. If I remember it correctly, she said that I don't want to get caught behind the eight ball. Like, I don't know if anybody heard that um, that was my first time hearing it. And she, like, I was talking to her and the uh, white supervisor, she came to interrupt and she said, you know what, uh, when you, you just said, you know, you just need to go home and, you know, you you sound like you're very sick because you called me saying that you, that you was caught behind the eight ball. So, um, I never heard of that one before. Uh, and the last with the Halloween costumes. Um, like, I guess I wanted to get your view on this. There's a black female. This one stood out to me. Uh, she wore a afro, a leather jacket, some black boots, black shades, and a black panther t-shirt. Okay. Um, and she was taking pictures with everybody and, you know, everybody smiling and whatnot. You know, I mean, I looked at it the first time, but then I thought about it. I said, wow, that that is very deep, man. But the, the T-shirt, it was um, the, the comic character, like the Black Panther, but she had the leather jacket, like the 60s. So um, the symbolism behind that, I never got to talk to her about this. I know the person, but I never spoke to her. I just said I have a shirt like that. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. I wanted to see what your view on that was. And that's all I have. Thank you. What was on the shirt again, specifically? You said it was, what was it? Like the, uh, the, the comic book character, Black Panther, it was just his head and it was a black t-shirt mm -hmm. and it said Black Panther. 
I see. Okay. And so this was her whole uh, kind of Black Panther, Angela Davis kind of costume, it seemed, with the sunglasses and the afro and the the black leather jacket and the whole getup, right? Right. Okay. And she was taking pictures. And you said, uh, just to kind of get my thoughts on that as a Halloween costume or what specifically? Like, like, um, what could there have been like some kind of, uh, uh, another intent behind that or like some kind of message you think, uh, like just cause I had never seen nothing like that. Like, um, I like, I know you can't, you can't see it, but just me telling it to you. But, uh, like, you know, as far as them choosing a costume to wear on a job, choosing that kind of costume, you know, a black person. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it would have been really interesting to hear, you know, her explain why she chose to wear that. I mean, it, it could have been, you know, this is, uh, I can, you know, get my revolutionary side out uh, at on the job. You know, it's so much craziness is allowed on October 31st that, you know, I can allow my, you know, true quote unquote revolutionary self uh, to be present. Uh, that could have been her thought process. It could have been just, Hey, it'll be cool. I can, you know, be Angela Davis. <laughs> it could have been as, as simple as that. It's hard to know uh, in terms of what, what motivates people. Uh, I have seen, uh, I, Hey, it was said uh, jokingly that many people at the time in the sixties joined the Black Panthers because it was cool to wear a leather jacket and a beret. So I could certainly see some people saying that would, that would be a cool getup for Halloween. So, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it would have been, it would have been cool to, to hear it directly from her. What was her, what was her motivation? What was she, what was she going for? The, uh, I did paying attention to some of the other, comments that you were talking about that's directly uh dr welsing she talks about being uh caught behind uh the eight ball uh in her book it's uh in the isis papers uh i was trying to get the exact portion in the isis papers where she talks about it i think i can uh, pull it up in the broadcast but she talks about that in terms of white people when they are feeling a sense of anxiety and it seemed from what you shared when the white woman used that phrase Another white person said, oh, wow, you know, you you sound sick because you just said that. Like, you know, this she had concern right? <laughs> like uh, that because Dr. Wellesley, she talks about that symbol. They know the significance of that and what that means, uh, meaning uh, the white ball uh, being stuck. The white ball is supposed to dominate. The white ball is supposed to totally eradicate all of the non-white balls from the billiard uh, in the game of pools from the billiard table. Uh, so to be caught behind the black ball, like things have gone totally awry. And in fact, the black ball could even bump and knock the white ball uh, off the table. So uh, Dr. Welsing decodes that phrase uh, in the ISIS papers, the late mentioned again. Um, paying attention to those uh, metaphors on the job, very important. That first uh, portion that you talked about where you said, I guess it was multiple people on the job had said, you know, a white person went to get their uh, clan hood. I guess the caller in Florida uh, a couple of weeks ago, Richard Spencer uh, has was down in Florida, giving a talk. They had a state of emergency and this was a big, you know, big to do. Uh, so I guess at that time, uh, a white person leaving, I guess if they're joking and saying maybe they were at the Richard Spencer protest or whatever it is, that's something I would just write down. I would make a note of if a white person 
made that comment, even in jest. You know, Ted wasn't here today. Maybe he was out getting his clan outfit. Uh, I would not want a black person saying that at all. And I guess for the people who do, you know, suggestions, if you talk to other black people and maybe try to give them a heads up, man, I would not encourage saying that at all ever. Uh, I could easily see uh, a white person overhearing that and saying, what are you calling, you know, Jonathan a racist? I, that is totally unacceptable. I'm going to HR right now and making a big to do about that. Like I would not encourage any non-white person to say, you know, anything like that in a workplace environment. If a white person said that, even in jest, I would write it down. <laughs> Date, time, this is what they said and move forward. Just to put that away in your notes uh, that even a white person felt comfortable making that sort of joke in a workplace setting. Uh, Can I be heard? Yes, sir, Roz. Uh, yes, I had two things. <laughs> One is the incident I experienced when I had some work done at my mother-in-law's house recently. But the first thing before I get to that, and it is workplace racism. It's funny how things develop, but... Behind the eight ball, that's a um, a term I heard quite a bit. And over time studying the system, I've come to understand that that term has two connotations. The first one would be where a white person is literally behind a black person. In other words, they might be Harvey Weinstein supporting Jay-Z and doing um, doing the Kali Florida documentary. He was basically in that situation, the white person can lose by being on the wrong side of the system of white supremacy. The other connotation would be behind the eight ball in the sense that when you hit the eight ball into the pocket, that's how you win the game. But if the white ball also goes behind the eight ball into the pocket, you lose anyway. So that connotation means a person who's properly practicing white supremacy and still loses in some form of being reprimanded by openly about the, the racist practices that they've been propagating. That's something that I've come to understand by studying the system, that th those are two connotations for that behind the eight ball statement that white people tend to use. Um, the incident was recently we, we uh, had uh, bath fitters come in to, uh, to actually put a new tub together for my, at my mother-in-law's house. And it's basically they put like a vinyl, vinyl fitting over it so it's completely sealed in and watertight. So you don't have to worry about any sort of leaks or tiles falling out and damaging the bathroom. So um, as this, they sent this white terrorist there to do the work, um, I wasn't able to be at the house when the person had first arrived. So my wife was there, my mother was there. And she said when he came, um, he was just real uh, rude. He didn't, um, wouldn't answer her question. She asked him how long he would be there. They told him, told her the, um, the headquarters said they would be there between seven and four. He came late at nine. And when she asked him, would he be done by four o'clock? He would not give her an answer. So eventually um, she ended up calling me and she said, well, I want you to come over because he's practicing racism. So I said, no problem. I, I hop, hop, you know, hop and skip and jump. I'm there. So when I come in, um, he tries to be pleasant with me. I don't smile. I don't say anything. I just actually start questioning him about the things he wouldn't answer with my wife. So as I'm sitting there, I just said, I'm going to stay the whole day until this, this creature leaves the house. So as this day develops, he's trying to start small talk. She's like, Oh my goodness. He wasn't doing any of this small talk till you arrived. I sneeze. I'm hearing God bless you. She's like, what kind of behaviors? And she said, 
then she says, you see why I need to have a black male here? She said, as soon as you came in, his whole demeanor changed. I said, of course. I said, this is how white people function. So at the end of the whole event, he ends up leaving. And she said he was slamming things and stuff before I got there. All the slamming and stuff stopped when I got there. And um, I was completely cold with him. Um, I wasn't nasty. I wasn't disrespectful. But I wasn't going to be friendly. You're a terrorist. You're the enemy. You're in my mother-in-law's house. And you're disrespecting my wife. I'm not having it. So after the event was over, my wife wasn't sure what she wanted to do. I said, don't you dare let this slide. I said, you're going to call headquarters and you're going to file the complaint of the century by letting them know everything that this, this troll has done, this creature, this beast has done. And um, she said she wasn't sure at first, but I said, listen, when we, we don't have to do anything for one of them to call and facilitate us losing our job. I said, you are not going to let any white person ever, as long as you, you are breathing and I'm your husband or your attempted husband, you're not going to let them slide for anything because I'm not either. So she hops on the phone. She calls corporate. She explains everything. The um, guy who's in charge is completely flabbergasted by what is taking place. And um, right now we're waiting for an update as to what's going to happen or how he's going to be dealt with because he was pretty adamant about uh, this mistreatment being something that the company doesn't tolerate. Um, so we're going to see what, what, they, what they do or say to him as this develops. But ultimately, um, I don't like them coming in the house in the first place. They happen to send this white guy, and we had to deal with, deal with it. And um, th just the idea that sometimes having a black male around, especially if you're doing anything where they have to send or potentially might send a white male to do some sort of contract work or things of that nature, I think is essential because these are the types of abuse that black females go through. And a lot of times, because we may not be physically present, um, they may not speak about it, and they might not want to follow through with actually by reporting that incident or moving forward with making sure that that white person um, is dealt with in some form or fashion. Uh, thank you. I'll meet my line. Great job of black self-respect uh, coming in to secure the household and uh, great job recommending that that report be filed. Really important. Same thing with paperwork documentation same thing that they do to us write-ups get those write-ups and reports and what have you the same thing uh, a detailed write-up of all of the incorrect and, and rude behavior not even answering basic questions uh, when this person is working for you a uh, detailed write-up uh, same thing that they do to us uh, with conviction uh, in terms of you know this person's conduct um do we have, oh, I found the phrase since Roz gave uh, his thoughts on the eight ball, which was important as well. I did find where Dr. Rosing uh, wrote about eight ball or not even wrote. This was when she was on the program context of white supremacy back in 2011, uh, where she stated. Uh, so then the next phase is a black man runs for the president of the United States of America. Well, even though there was white support for his presidency when he got into the White House and you have a black man with his white wife and his black children and his black mother-in-law in the White House, even the people who classified themselves as white, who called themselves liberals, began to think, oh, my God, what have we done? Because just the image of the black man being in the White House and being in charge began to set off the anxiety of if we lose power, if the power equation changes and this 
in the symbolic parlance of white supremacy speech, you don't want to be caught behind the eight ball. But President Obama being in the White House makes the white mindset that is concerned subconsciously about white genetic survival begin to feel, wait a minute, we're being caught behind the eight ball. And that translates into white genetic annihilation. So then we have this massive attack. We can call this the third reconstruction, meaning the reconstruction of racism, white supremacy. That is from 2011, her commentary using the phrase uh, being caught behind the eight ball. Uh, we have uh, about five minutes. Anybody have a, a final comment? If we missed, oh, I guess Thomas in New York had, had said he did have something on being on time. Did you want to get your commentary in about being on time, Thomas in New York? If you're able. Might be. No, no, I didn't really have anything else on that. I um, I do think it's obviously important, just not within work, but overall for, for anybody. Um, being on time to your peers, especially to another brother or sister, is it's just a sign of respect, you know, um, hands down. But um, one thing I wanted to add is that I never expected to be in the position where I was staying at the job that I was staying. I thought I was going to go to something else a little bit bigger, but I'm a single father right now. So um, I have to kind of be very cautious in the steps I take to become financially independent because I want to be able to, um, of course, support my household. You know, um, but that is all. Appreciate that. It was actually Thomas in New York. Uh, your line should be open, sir. Thomas in New York, did you have a comment you were going to get in on being on time? Oh, absolutely, guys. Yeah, and um, my grandmother always told me uh, behind the eight ball was a metaphor for white people that follow black people. Um, but um, yeah, what I was um, going to say is um, I once had a job, and um, I was, you know, let go of that job for being late. And I was um, over the eight, course of eight months, I was late six times. Uh, the the sixth time was um, the time that they let me go. Um, I apologize. I was late five times. A total of six minutes, though. So, uh, but it was five times. But that fifth time they let me go. And um, the, the boss uh, even thought that I didn't get my, my unemployment as well, you know. Uh, he went to excellence. Uh, so we even had to have a conference call and everything, but he, was, he wasn't budging. So, um... That was one incident. I had another job where um, you had a seven-minute grace period to be late, but it didn't apply to our department because in the um, very last page of the handbook, it said the managers have a, the right to run their department the way they see fit, and that our boss didn't see fit that we could be a minute late. So, um, you know, just um, always watch um, the time and also look for that extra clause in the handbook as well. Um, sometimes they have um, discretion. I'll meet my mom. I think that's the second time we've heard that word on the broadcast this evening. Uh, Mr. Steele, Ken Steele, did you have commentary you were going to share, sir?
think your line should be open. Are you there, Mr. Steele, or are you just listening? I'm here. I'm a bit indisposed. Oh. oh, okay. Uh, we'll be here tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, for the uh, book club, the book club, Neil Postman, Crazy Talk, Stupid Talk. I'm really enjoying the book, Metaphors. A lot of great insight on the use of metaphors and why we should be mindful of their use and what the person means when they're invoking metaphors. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. We'll be here on Saturday for the compensatory call-in, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we'll catch up on what has gone down the last seven days. It has been a lot. We'll certainly deal with the situation up at the University of Hartford, uh, the dorm situation. I'm sure we'll have more commentary on the firefighters down in Florida. Uh, lots to discuss from the past seven days. Uh, Sunday, we'll be here. John Patash, this was a reschedule. He was supposed to be with us uh, a week or a week Sunday. He was supposed to be with us past Sunday, uh, but he'll be with us the coming Sunday, November 5th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we'll be on the next three days. And we even had another reschedule. Robin Maynard, she'll be here on Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. She was supposed to be with us this past uh, Tuesday. We rescheduled that one as well. We could not, uh, apparently, uh, our arms were too short to uh, box with candy corn and the Halloween holiday Woo. uh mr Steele, did you have time are you able to comment before we wrap things up are you still indisposed might still be taking a little time uh for folks who dialed in thanks everyone for sharing i'll share again or ask again i reckon uh if you could give us updates i always appreciate that uh just getting an opportunity to hear if you use any of the suggestions that you get on the program or if you use your brain computer and come up with your own strategies to solve your problems just let us know uh this is what you did the person you know just using for an example uh he calling me a player this is what i did uh, to try to address that issue and what happened because we are still learning and trying to improve and I think it helps us uh, to be able to hear okay I tried this out this worked uh, I think that can be very very helpful uh, for other non-white listeners uh, to be able to pick out those patterns and to see yes there are specific things that you can do and say to help solve some of these problems take notes definitely oh, can I be heard? yes sir uh, I just wanted to, uh, quick, um, you know, I've been experimenting with, uh, different avenues to find, uh, to find employment and, you know, just different methods of, um, finding employment. And one thing that, or one area that, um, I think some victims may not have explored are utilizing groups that correspond to your interest in your specified geography um, to look for opportunities for employment. Um, you know, I just, I stumbled upon a really good opportunity that uh, was uh, introduced to me in a group that was local to Los Angeles and was within a field that I was uh, interested in in uh, getting into and um you know I, I just recently started with that opportunity and uh you know it's been a breeze for for uh or yeah it's it's been um relatively easy going compared to 
other opportunities that I've pursued in the past. So, you know, I, I think uh, um, that, that's just something that, you know, victims might explore, um, searching for groups in your geography that correspond with interests that you have or, um, or I guess, talents or um, arts that you want to pursue. So there's uh, groups for um, anything that you can think of. And the bigger your metropolitan area or geography or the more densely populated it is, then the more groups that are going to be centered in that location and the more opportunities that you can um, take a look at. And, um, yeah, I will go ahead and uh, mute my line at this time. Thank you so much. Appreciate that, Mr. Steele. Uh, appreciate everyone uh, who dialed in to participate, listeners as well, live and archived. I hope the broadcast uh, has been worthy of your time and energy. Uh, I will again recommend strongly now that we're in the holiday season, season, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. There is a lot of evidence that racists, they have exploited Non-white people, black people in particular, uh, who are under the influence, intoxicated, can't make the best decisions. Lots of evidence that they have terrorized and abused a lot of folks in that condition. Uh, that is one thing that we could do and would even be a form of counter-racist economics uh, in not giving race soldiers our loot for alcohol and other poisons, cigarettes included, toxins. Uh, that would be fantastic. I think Dr. Welsing, since her name has been invoked repeatedly, I am sure she would strongly endorse us being sober, taking phenomenal care of our brain computers so we can crank out solutions to the problem. Racist man, racist woman, racist child. Uh, with that, a liberating black people's prayer for justice and peace. Thou who art blacker than a trillion midnights, whose eyes shine brighter than a billion suns, thou whose hair doth coil tighter than a million springs, radiating all energy throughout the universe, we beseech thee, one and only one, to give us total strength to carry out thy will for the universe to establish justice on planet Earth and live in peace. Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, Context of White Supremacy signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, your brother. Problem. You're a victim. <laughs> I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>